Hello everyone, welcome to the Joking Dolphin Game Pod. I'm Mark and as always I'm joined by Matthew. Hello. And Nathan. Howdy. Are we alright? Sunny day. I was going to say sunny time there for some reason, but then I confused myself and put said sunny day. So. It is sunny time. Sunny time. day. Yes. Sunny and not, but not particularly warm. Still still got a bit of a chill where I am. That's why you don't go outside, Matt. Just just stay indoors. Well, yeah, no. I'm just admire the beauty of the window. Just not the sacred doors. Right, shall we kick off with the news, as always? Let's do it. So, we'll start with... um, So, we recently had this announcement of the new PS Plus, and they've announced the rollout for it across different markets. So, what was it? Okay, so, as always, the Asian market's going to get this first. So... It's going to be rolled out in four different stages. So mm. stage one is going to be the Asian markets, for some reason excluding Japan, which I thought was quite strange. So they're targeting the 23rd of May 2022 on that one. And then after that, it's going to be rolled out to Japan on the 1st of June. After that, it's going to the Americas on the 13th of June and Europe on the 22nd of June. In, in addition to that, Sony's going to be expanded its cloud uh, streaming access to the following countries. So we're going to have Bulgaria, Croatia, the Czech Republic, Greece, Hungary, Malta, Poland, the Republic of Cyprus, Romania, Slovakia and Slovenia. So they're going to be getting cloud access. Hmm, I'm surprised they didn't already have that. Yeah, definitely Poland, because I know they were working on doing like the Video streaming is like a beta there at one point. Mm. But yeah, anyway, that that's happening too. But for, in, in my opinion, yet again, it's Europe getting screwed over in the timings of when things are getting released. Because I feel in this day and age, everything should be released globally at the same time. So we all get access to it. Mm. I mean, maybe there is a reason for this. So they'll... They'll do it in some of maybe the smaller markets first to like gauge server activity and stuff like that. That might be why they're excluding Japan and doing it to all the other Asian markets first. But I'm angry because we're getting it more than a month after everybody else, pretty much. Well, if you're not used to it by now, then I can't help you. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least it's not like it was in like the late. 80s, early 90s, when we had to wait like a year for a new console, at least. No, that's true. They've, they've gone pre-Bera pre doing that. That's what I said. I don't know about you guys. I think we talked about this before, but I'm just going to keep with my normal PS Plus until I get a, like an itemised, this is what you get with each each of the options, and then I might decide to move on even, to one of the other packages. Even when I get that, I'm just... Sticking as well. I don't need these other games. Mm. Just, just don't need it. I'm not, I'm not even. <laughs> yeah, I'm not even particularly interested in PS Plus as it is now. I just want get me online. That's it. That's all I want. I don't want your silly, like, single A games that I've never heard of, or or B games, shall we say? You know, your Monster Truck well, and all that. Sonic <laughs> Team Racing is absolute. Classic. Well, it's not a classic. Don't, it's, a, don't, it's a good don't. game. Don't care. Yeah, but I, I, I don't want it. I didn't ask for it. Just don't give me things I don't want. You're clogging up the hard drive. Well, 
Right, that's it, so if you're listening, <laughs> unless Mark asks for it... Say, so all you need to do is add it to your library. Yeah, I know, but it clogs up the library, doesn't it, of things that I don't want to be there. But yeah, I've never heard anyone complain about free games before. Not free, you're paying for them. It's not free, we're paying, <laughs> yeah, that's it. Sorry, sorry, Matt, I felt like we personally attached it, though, we just jumped to you like a rapid dog. Yeah. Not well, you're paying to be online, but you're also getting the games with it. We shouldn't have to pay yeah, to be but... online. We pay for our internet connection. Well, I get that. Well, then do PC gaming, then you sod. <laughs> I thought you were going to pay for your internet. You've got to pay for your internet. You can't get a lie on your internet. You've got to pay for something. <laughs> yeah, but I, I don't mind paying for that service, but make it cheaper without the games. That's what I want. Oh, cost, a, a simple, a simple that, so. let's just play online. That's it. That's all I care about. Anyway, we're going off on a tangent here. Yeah. Any other news? Right, well, uh, we spoke about last week, last week, two weeks ago now, I should say, um, that we went to see Sonic the Hedgehog 2 uh, in cinemas, and I think we all agreed that it was, uh, we all enjoyed it. Um, I was probably the only one to come out and say that I think it's the, probably the best video game adaptation movie currently. Um, can't think of many others. Maybe, maybe, maybe Street Fighter. Um, <laughs> Uh, or maybe even the Mortal Kombat films, the older ones, not not the recent one. I've heard bad things about them. But anyway. sorry, I don't think the old ones that good either. <laughs> <laughs> I think some some people probably make an argument. I I can't actually remember. Um, but we're going slightly off topic. So uh, it has come out according to the website Comic Book. Uh, the Sonic. Hedgehog 2 came out of the US weekend with an impressive $71 million. Oh, it made it, I should say. Uh, making it the highest grossing video game adaptation film of all time. Um, which I don't think is too much of a surprise. I can't think of what the, who currently held that record. Might have been Detective Pikachu. I would imagine so. Um, yeah. Um, Interestingly enough, though, I didn't realise this, um, is actually the biggest opener made for Jim Carrey as well. Like, no other film that Jim Carrey's been in or starred in has made uh, a bigger weekend opening, which I thought was quite surprising, actually, considering the amount of films he's been in and some of the success that he's been in. Like, Inflation, isn't it? Well... Yeah, I suppose so, you could say. Um, so apparently, like Jim Carrey's sort of biggest film prior to Sonic Hedgehog 2 was Bruce Almighty, um, which did come out as 68 million during it. So, um, do you think? Do you think we with this this might be a shift into actually seeing decent video game adaptations finally? Well, let's face it; they can't get much worse than they did in the 90s. I'm just going to say no. I think, <laughs> I think Sonic's a one-off now. Yeah, it's, I still think it'll be a rarity. We'll see good ones. Because be. in general, I just don't think video games tend to make good films. I think that's why most people go into the TV route now, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, I could see it. Well, I think the issue yeah. with it is establishing the law of a game franchise for a film goer. Because if you don't play the games, you're not necessarily going to go and see the film. Unless something about it grasps you. So that's why I think the 
like the Netflix series, for example, is probably going to be the best route to go down because you have a lot more time to establish your characters. Yeah, I think I think it depends on sort of how complicated the law is for the game. You know, for for example, something like Sonic is pretty it's pretty straightforward. I'd like to I don't even know Sonic had an owl mum, dad, whatever it is. It was more of a gargant. No, I didn't either, to be yeah. fair, actually. It's, it's some of those made for the for the films, I think. Yeah. Um, even though there's there's some bits that are taken from the game, some bits that are taken from the actual comics that more established law, I think. But anyway, yes, yeah, I suppose we'll, we'll we'll see we'll see what future video game adaptation is gonna like. I mean, we've got Mario to look forward to. Mm, sure. Can't can't be a bit Chris Pratt. I'm quietly optimistic about it. We'll see. I need to see the first trailer before I make a mind up. I mean, it can't be worse than the last Super Mario film, can it? So, or can it? Maybe it could. Who knows? You never know. <laughs> Should we stick with Sonic though? So this is Sonic Origins. Mm, yes. Bit of a story around this one, isn't there? <laughs> Just a bit, just a little bit. So, um, I mean, I think it was leaked prior to it sort of mm. being announced yeah, it was. officially. Um, but the official announcement that came from Sega, so Sonic Origins, well, I mean, it was revealed, like, I think, last year as well, during the whole um, Sonic 30th anniversary kind of celebrations. But we've got actual proper sort of news on what it actually is. So it is uh, remastered um, from the ground up. The, these aren't actual ports at all. Well, to a certain extent, they're not. The So we've got Sonic Hedgehog 1, Sonic Hedgehog 2, Sonic CD, which are based on um, the mobile ports that were made by the guys who ended up making Sonic Mania. Um, so they're all going to be full sort of, you know, widescreen support um apparently i don't know if these games in particular but i know there's gonna be some new areas um some kind of cut content that gets kind of put back into these games which would be pretty cool um and then you've got sonic 3 and knuckles which is the first time um it's been sort of remastered in a way so got all that um there's gonna be an anniversary and a classic mode so i think the anniversary is all like sort of cut content added new stuff um, there's going to be added um, animations, like cutscenes in between all games that sort of actually join the games together, which is I think is actually pretty cool. Um, and there's extra stuff like characters, music, and all that kind of stuff. And I believe the release date for that is June. I don't know the accurate date, is it? I think Mark might have it down somewhere. I unfortunately didn't jot it down. <laughs> Oh, you thought that on me, and I didn't. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't know so it, was, it was June. Um, yeah, so for that one, it's due on the 23rd of June. 23rd of June. Thank you, Nathan. Yep. Uh, it's coming out on pretty much all platforms, Switch, PC, via Steam, and Epic Games Store, PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X, and S. Um, and then they showed off a... Chart. Peculiar chart graphic mm-hmm. 
um, detailing all the different, um, I suppose, additions for Sonic Origins and what would be contained in them. And what the hell? Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at this. It's very confusing. Like, for, for, for all the good that Sega has like, gone over the last couple of years, thanks to celebrating Sonic's 30th birthday. I would say they've thrown it all, all down the drain, thanks to this chart, but it's it's a bit jarring, <laughs> knowing that, like, why? <laughs> why? Why have you done because that? Because Sega, that's why. It's, it's so weird. Like, I've, I've got it up. So we've got what? So we've got the standard edition, which just comes with the main game. You've got something that's called a Start Dash Pack, which is free DLC for everyone that gets uh, the pre-orders standard or digital deluxe edition, where you get 100 bonus coins, which you can spend to unlock, I think, sort of like artwork, music, and all that kind of stuff within the games and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, you've got something that's called Mirror Mode. Now, I forget what that was actually announced. I think Mirror Mode is where you play the game's levels in reverse, so instead of going left to right, then you go right to left. Probably something like that. Um, and then you also get um, something called a letterbox background. Not sure what that is. Is that just the like the, the standard ratio? It could be, yeah. It, it could be um, you can play like in classic mode and then you get like a, yeah. a fancy sort of background to fill in the square ratio. Then... Uh, you've got two packs that are apparently coming soon, going to this chart. There's one called Premium Fun Pack, which includes... Premium Fun Pack. Includes something called Hard Missions, whatever they are. You get the letterbox background. You get character animation in the main menu. You get camera controls over the main menu islands. I Okay. Uh, and you also get character animations during music islands. Well, I don't know about you, but that is the premium fun right there. Clearly. I mean, clearly, I I don't understand what's the going on here. Premium fun, the best type of fun. Um, I'm not gonna lie, hard missions does not sound like fun to me. No. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what's going on there. Um, and then you've got you got the classic music pack, which is the, the other pack that's back coming soon, which will include additional music tracks from the Mega Drive and Genesis. Um, tiles. Sorry, my phone's ringing. Um, outside of that, then you've got the digital deluxe edition, which includes everything minus the 100 bonus coins, mirror mode, which I actually think, I mean, it comes with free DLC, a start dash pack, so I'm not that worried about it, and also the letterbox background. But what a way to make everything just confusing as hell for people. Like, so the the digital deluxe gives you everything as long as you actually pre-order it. Yeah. But if you buy after it's already released, you don't get the stuff from the start dash pack. That's my interpretation. Yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, but in that, how do you unlock mirror mode then if you can't get that? Now that's in the start dash pack. See, we've been confused yeah. ourselves here. Yeah, but that's but that's I'm, included I'm, I'm, with pre-orders. So if you don't pre-order it, as you said, Mark, you might be I'm, able to. I'm, I'm, assu- I'm assuming it'll become available at a later date potentially. If you've not pre-ordered it, you get it at a later date. Maybe it is free DLC. Why would you not release it? Um, because Sega. Well, it's just yeah. It's just so confusing. 
I mean, the only difference, right? So money-wise, I think it was something like um, the standard edition is forty dollars, and the digital deluxe edition is forty-five dollars. So literally just five dollars difference for all this extra stuff. What I don't understand is why have they got a classic music? But why don't they just put that classic music in the premium fun pack one? Because that is literally the only I, thing I, in that. Maybe. Maybe something that they're working on a late day or something. Maybe all this stuff comes. Bad. I don't know. It's just all a bit silly. I think they're just trying to gouge the audio files out there that kind of want yeah. that nostalgia. Um, it's just it's ridiculous. It was so so. I just like I don't know what they were thinking. And then, of course, like someone someone had to poke fun at it. And, uh, I mean, the, 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 the publisher does the best at poking fun of anything is Devolver, who ended up creating their own chart for, uh, the game Trek to, uh, is it Yo Mai? Might have said that uh, one. Near enough. Close enough. So, they ended up making the, their own chart that was on Twitter, right? So, so get this. Uh, so you've got, You've got editions of PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series S, X, and PC. And all of this is coming to each version of the game. So you get the base game, you get 10% off, you get an epic journey through Underworld, and back. They're separate. (laughs) Separate features. You get stunning visuals, you'll get a remarkable soundtrack, you'll get progressively complex combat, and you get full credits at the end. And that's coming to all versions of all that game. I just, I just thought that was hilarious. <laughs> That's nice and clear, isn't it? I mean, it's a great great marketing campaign, I'm not going to lie. Oh, yeah. It really makes me want to actually buy that game now. Like, yeah, no, fair play. <laughs> yeah, I was looking at getting that game anyway, but that's just solidified it. Yeah, yeah. pushed it over the edge. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Do we know if the Sonic Origins is going to be physical or digital only? So I think it is physical. Okay. Um, I believe it will, it will be... Sure, that's a good, good question. I'm sure it will be physical at some point. I just need to check. Uh, sorry. It might be similar to what they did with Sonic Mania because when that originally came out, that wasn't physical. It was digital only. And then later on, they came out with Sonic Mania Plus, and then that's when it became physical. Yeah. It could be, yeah. I've not. I can't actually see anywhere that suggests that there is going to be a. I doubt it will be because standard edition and then you've got the digital deluxe edition. So I'm guessing they'll just be digital for now and we'll see how it goes. Yeah. We'll see. Um, I mean, I was already kind of planning to get Sonic Origins anyway because I like playing the classic games. And, um, for whatever reason, Sonic 3 has always been the most difficult to actually get your hands on, like anywhere. I think it is like it's one of the first times that Sonic 3 and Knuckles have been um, digitally available sort of outside any big compilations they've done prior. So, um, but do, do best, Sega. You were doing well. <laughs> any other news? Oh, I could... Shall we move on to Nintendo? Nintendo? Because there's possibly been a Game Boy Advance emulator leaked for the Switch. Ooh. So this is from gbatemp.net 
A set of three zip files were uploaded to Anon Files. Allegedly, within the files is a Game Boy emulator called Hyoko and a Game Boy Advance emulator called Sloop, both developed by Nintendo themselves through their European research and development team. Uh, the emulators are in NSP format, and users that downloaded the files quickly got them to work on their own modded consoles, which function and play GBA and GB ROM files. Pokemon Pinball, Ruby and Sapphire, and Yoshi's Island Super Mario Advance 3 were shown to be working through the emulators, with settings within them curiously offering random matchmaking features. Given the existence of these files, it's possible that we'll be seeing Game Boy and Game Boy Advance games added to Nintendo Switches online. Uh, Game Lamo, sometime in the future. For now, nothing is confirmed. What's your thoughts on that? Interested in seeing these being emulated on a Switch? Obviously, I don't have one. Yeah, I mean, definitely the for me the Pokemon games would be massive to have on there. Um, like mm. Leaf Green, Fire Red, um, Alpha, uh, Alpha Sapphire, um, Ruby Sapphire, Sapphire yeah. and Emerald. I think they'd all be great on there. I think I'd uh, like to see. Uh, the Minish Cap uh, Zelda game. It's like one of the few Zelda games that I've never actually completed <laughs> online, given that I go. Um, but no, I think uh, I think the GBA line has, uh, has got some pretty good games. I would like to... Uh... I'd be surprised if they did do Advance first, though. Um, I'd, I'd have thought they would have moved on to Game Boy first and then sort of made their way up. Mm. Unless it's just for test purposes. Yeah, it could be. I'm not sure because they've got the, in the normal Switch Online, they've got NES and SNES games. So maybe they're looking to kind of move on a little bit in terms of the generation that they work on. Maybe, yeah. I know there was, uh, they announced there was going to be three NES or SNES games coming out soon as well. Can't remember which ones were. I think there's some like, Shining Force 2 was one of them. And uh, there was a couple of others, but... I do yeah, they came out and said that they were going to put Sonic Spinball on there as well. Oh, yeah, the sorry. The, uh, yeah, this was the Mega Drive one, wasn't it? Sorry. So it was that and uh, Sonic Spinball. But I do wish they were, they were a bit quicker on, on sort of releasing games for, for those libraries. Platforms? Yeah, platforms, libraries. Mine went there for a second. Because uh, <laughs> there had been some, like, it had been, like, almost a year between, sort of, um, adding the Earthbound games for NES and, sort of, like, mm. the previous NES games they had to our library. They do seem to be a bit slow on that front, so... I mean, to be honest, like, for what we pay, I don't really mind waiting. Like, anything that we do get on that's a bonus because it's only, what, £13, £14 a year. It's not as if it's 40 or 50 like on PlayStation. Yeah, I suppose so. I just... I don't know. I, I, like, I like playing the old games for Nintendo, so I kind of wish they'd be a little bit more urgent in releasing new new ones for it. But Yeah. I mean, for me, I'm just happy that I don't have to repurchase them all on the virtual console for the third time. So, that's fine with me. Shall we, uh, shall we stick with Nintendo? Because, um, unfortunately, there's been a bit of uh, bad news that have come out recently over Nintendo. Um, so, 
just kind of just taking an article from Tom Phillips at Eurogamer, uh, which goes, a Nintendo of America staff member has filed an official complaint concerning alleged company interference in unif- unionization efforts. Uh, both Nintendo and its hiring company, Aston Carter, named in the complaint and covered by Axios, I might have said that wrong, which is a website, uh, which was filed with the U.S. National Labor Relations Board in Washington State, where Nintendo's North American business is headquartered. Uh, extra details of the complaint have not been made public, but the complaint highlights several general categories in which Nintendo and Ashton Carter are alleged to have been at fault. These include coercive statements, coercive actions, employee discharge, and concerted activities. Uh, the case brings to mind the ongoing dispute between staff at Call of Duty. Oh, well, that's just referencing between what Raven trying to do for their side yeah. for unionization as well. Um, but it's, it's interesting. It's, it seems like this is more of a, a regular thing that I think all this stuff that's come out uh, through Activision Blizzard, you know, all the obviously horrific details of sexual assault and um, unfortunate death that happened, um, I think has really kind of pushed other sort of developers to look into potential union. Yeah, I'm starting to get wise to it. Yeah. um, I do wonder how long publishers will be able to hang on before this all starts becoming like a mass, you know, there'll be like a, essentially a whole body of, well, what am I trying to say? A world sort of union for all developers and whatnot, whether that will come into effect maybe in the next few years or so, I don't know. Oh, like a separate body overseeing it? Yeah, so like maybe if like they made one whole body, yeah. you know, all developers can go into it rather than just being like a separate union for each developer. Yeah, yeah. Um, although that would probably take an actual politician to care sounds, about it. <laughs> sounds like it's needed though, doesn't it? It does, yeah. Um, well, it seems like we barely go a podcast without talking about something like this mm. across the board. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely needed. I mean, there's yeah. been some allegations recently about PlayStation, hasn't there? Yeah. I can't remember but, the exact details. But they got thrown out of court pretty much. After being investigated, so it's a non-starter. That's not to say it doesn't happen, though. Well, that's it, yeah. I mean, you hear from all sorts of developers, like, obviously, Ubisoft was a big one. Um, Quantum Dream. Yeah. Yeah. Another one as well. Um, I suppose we just have to wait and see, but this is definitely a a trend that started to start going, and nothing's going to stop anytime soon. Yeah. I mean, not to mention what you've just spoken about, but also like with the crunch culture as well, maybe it helped combat against that in giving them rights against working yeah. a certain amount of hours a week. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um I don't think it I don't think it would ever stop crunch from happening, but I think they do definitely better rights and protections for if they ever have to go into it, like yeah, it's like you have... Just be like, all right, we, you know, we've we've said this is a deadline. Unfortunately, we might not meet it with the sort of current work schedule. 
if we if we get you guys to do overtime, we'll pay for that time properly. If you need the any time off for whatever personal reasons, please take it or not. Like these these needs to be bad protections and incentives for having to go into crunch for developers. I think. Yeah. Just leading off from that, um, I think for me one good thing about a lot of people adopting Unreal Engine five would be that it would be kind of the de facto engine for a lot of developers. So if they did need to crunch to try and get a game out, then they could hire more external people rather than putting the pressure on the people they already have to try and get a game over the line. Yeah, no, certainly. Um, I think that that could definitely help. For, for instance, of like, if you look at some like probably CD Projekt Red, where they've, they've had to obviously upgrade their engine for Cyberpunk, perhaps maybe certain things just weren't working quite well. And if it's their own engine, sometimes it's probably difficult to get any sort of external help into looking how to optimise that kind of stuff. I think definitely for like somewhere like Unreal 5, you can just go, hey, Epic, we, we're having trouble with this and this. Maybe you could have a look, see what's, what what could go wrong, how, how we fix it and whatnot and stuff. I do think there needs to be better help between developers, um, even from different, obviously, like publishers and whatnot. I think that could certainly be something looked into. Any other news? I just want to splinter off from Nintendo just to Pokemon really quickly. Um, so if you've got Pokemon, Sword or Shield, um, right now what you can do is you, there's a code you can enter in the mystery gift section and it'll give you like a free Dracovish, um, like the dragon type water Pokemon. So what I'll do, I'll pop that in the description the code that you'll need for that. I also put it on our Instagram and Twitter. So if you want to take a look at that, just search Joking Dolphin and you'll be able to find that on there. I did it myself. It's an ugly looking thing, but it's a free legendary pretty much. So I'm happy with that. Dracovich. Is that the... I think that's one of the, the fossil Pokemon that's in Sword, Sword and Shield. It's one of those where um, there's two sets of fossils that get fused together and you end up getting like this abomination of a Pokemon that shouldn't have existed. Yeah, it's horrible. Um, maybe I just showed a picture of it. So I'm sure for any Pokemon fans, you probably know who Dracovich is. Uh, keeping with a sort of a Nintendo theme, uh, there's, and Mark's probably not going to like this kind of news, there's, me. I'm very there, <laughs> Well, there's there's one JRPG that's uh, that I'm looking forward to that's coming out this year. Uh, it's called Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Uh, and there was news that its release date actually got pulled forward, which is very rare. You, you never hear games actually change your release date to uh, come out sooner than, uh, than later, which is always sort of good news for everyone. So uh, the new release date, for Xenoblade Chronicles 3 is now the 29th of July. Uh, unfortunately for myself, uh, there's another JRPG that, that got announced that I've been keeping my eye on for like the last four years since it was announced that has now decided to come out on the same date, um, which is a bit unfortunate. Uh, and that game is Digimon Survive. Well, we know which one you're going to go for, Matt. 
Uh, yeah. Both. Well, if I can, I'll, I'll try and get both. <laughs> um, but I'm sort of, I'm pretty big fan of Digimon games. Um, very glad that the newer ones over the last kind of five, six years to finally came out to the West. Thanks to like a massive, um, campaign where it got like, it got like over half, half a million signatures from just all Digimon fans just wanting Digimon games to come back to the West because we've not seen any for like years. So they finally got, got it over. It's, um, and I think they actually got pretty successful. So they're, they're really looking to bring more over here. But this one, Digimon Survive, got announced in like 2018 and it's just been like on forever delayed conveyor belt just for ages. Until finally they, they finally get a release there, which is good. So probably the only positive thing for Digimon is that it's coming to more platforms. So it's not just tied to Switch. You've got also PC, you've got PS4 and Xbox One. So I suppose we'll see. I, I do think probably Xenoblade is probably the bigger of the two. They actually um, they showed off a, a new a couple of new videos for it for like the combat stuff and just graphically, I think it's, it's the best looking Switch game easily. It's really impressive. I'm surprised the game is even like on a platform like the Switch. Is it going to be a cloud version or is it physical? No, no, it will be physical. I'd be surprised if it'd be a cloud. No, looking forward to both of them in July, and I'm sure my wallet is not. Uh, right, shall I shall I go through some 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 quick news um, that I've got here? Unless anyone wants to. Ah, go on. Interject. Uh, so, Crystal Dynamics uh, have come out and have announced who the next hero will be in Marvel's Avengers. So we did have, obviously, the PlayStation exclusive Spider-Man. Eventually. Eventually. Uh, about, ooh, how long ago is it now? <laughs> Been some time since it came out. It's been like five five months, maybe? Yeah, so long. Feels like that. Uh, so the next hero that's coming to Marvel's Avengers is going to be Jane Foster, also known as oh. the Mighty Thor. Good tie-in, yeah, Crystal Dynamics. Yeah. Now you've said it, I thought, oh, now I see why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, uh, I mean, if you don't know the the very first trailer for um, Thor, Love and Thunder uh, came out, which seems to tie in quite well with Crystal Dynamic, Dynamics um, announcement. Uh, they have said that she will play so similar to Thor, obviously having very similar powers but she will have some very different stuff just to differentiate herself from, from Mr. Thor so um, I don't think they mentioned when that's coming out there's not there wasn't much of a details that came out so it was literally just this is what's happening please care about our game come back please <laughs> um, <laughs> so there was that uh, another piece of news that uh, I spoke about a few podcasts ago was about um, Mario Donald, who, if people know, made uh, the first sort of piece of music for, for the Halo series and for the first Destiny game. I don't know if he worked on the second one. But he had a bit of a lawsuit against Microsoft over the music. Um, 
And now, apparently, it has been amicably... I've probably butchered that word. Amicably. Amicably resolved. Yes. I'm sure. So it's, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's been resolved. There we go. That's, that's all we need to say. Uh, not much else has actually come out about what's, what seems to be happening over there. I think Mario Donald can finally use his music again. So that's good. It's always good news. I don't know. There wasn't much else about what sort of payments went through or what was actually agreed upon. Um, but I kind of actually hope it, it means he can sort of come come back to um, to the Halo series, maybe. Because this is music. I mean, whenever you say, say sort of video game music was the most iconic, for me, first thing that pops into my head is Halo theme. I think the Halo theme is like one of the best themes in in any music, if, if, I, if, I, if I say so. High praise, that's just me. <laughs> Uh, well, you don't you don't get memes of uh, boys being in the in the toilet rooms and humming the music to it. So, sure, I'll take you with it. Don't know what toilet <laughs> should be going into. If I find it, I'll send it. So, uh, or maybe you don't want to know. So, uh, <laughs> um, so there's that. Um, also got a quick one on Gearbon. Announcing that they are making a new Tales from the Borderlands game. Um, so people didn't know what the first one was. Um, it was essentially Tell Tales take on the Borderlands series with their sort of classic storytelling and um, sort of kind of point and click adventure style uh, games. Um, unfortunately, Telltale did fall apart at one point, but obviously they've now come back with um, I forgot what their first new game is they mentioned it I've completely forgotten about it um, but they've said Gearbox have said that they're bringing this one sort of in house now so it'll be interesting to see what how uh, Gearbox's own take on a Telltale games will be if they seem to go down that route we ain't seeing them Shall I continue with some of the announcements? Yes, please do. So, it's been announced that Sega is going to be uh, launching another Crazy Taxi and Jet Set Radio game. However, however, (laughs) this is planned under Sega's Super Game brand, which apparently are aiming for like the Fortnite business model. Yeah. And aims to develop recurring revenue sources and build online communities. Which sounds terrible, in my view. I don't know how they're going to monetize Crazy Taxi in that way. Well, it had a lot of adverts in the original game, didn't it? Well, yeah, it had like Pizza Hut, KFC. Yeah. It's just going to be like full on, isn't it? It's just everything's going to be branded. They used to do like a massive world where everyone's taxing. You gotta fight each other for whoever gets the most fair. Boom, crazy taxi battle royale. There you go. Yeah, if you fail a fair, that's it, you're out. 100. Yeah. 100 taxes in the city. <laughs> yeah. You know, just like bumping into each other trying to get, yeah. trying to get the passenger. They'll be properly weird though, like take me to Activision HQ. The home of whatever game, and like have taglines on things. 
Just to like, no, but they, they could do like advert. They could do like different worlds though. Like say like you have got one set in Green Hill Zone, you got one in Camarocho. How cool would that be? What crazy taxi through a loop? Is he going yeah, through Green how Hill? Yeah, cool with that. Yeah, that's how. You know. <laughs> well, we're so making it. We're, we're making it sound good. <laughs> this but I don't think it will be good it won't be because it's not our idea so yeah we only have good ideas here second <laughs> listen please yeah. <laughs> we've got one other bit of news and that's uh, Stray the game about the cat around, roaming around a yeah. city oh yeah has been rated PG in Australia so Ooh. that could be imminent could be I don't, yeah it's not it's not been announced release day has it but if it's been rated it must be there somewhere yeah definitely um, I'm looking forward to that one. It kind of that was the one set in the future with the robots, and then yeah. this yeah. cat was just flowing through like the world, and it was you were hoping it was about the cat, and it was actually about the cat. So yeah, yeah, yeah it looks a bit unique, a bit different. Yeah. Watch first gameplay that comes out. You're actually a robot that has the cat as a pet. Yeah. <laughs> the cat's not even there. It's yeah, a stray yeah. robot. Up your imagination. Well, the logo had a cat on it, so it was like cat a graffiti robot. cat, I think. Cat, yeah, it's a robot cat. Just robot. Yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> that trans- transforms into a Gundam, and you just do casual battles and stuff. That'd be mad. Uh, right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Shall we move on to um, some Call of Duty news? Ooh, yes. Uh, well, I'll start off with this. So, there's a possible going to be announcement for the next COD soon. Which is believed to be Modern Warfare 2. Now, this is taken from Eurogamer. This is an update to Call of Duty developer Infinity Ward's Twitter page has fans speculating that the team may be ready to announce a new Modern Warfare game. On Friday, Infinity Ward switched out both its Twitter banner and profile icon, which at first glance seemed to be just a solid black logo with image or no text. Brightened up, however, the eagle-eyed players think they've spotted fan favourite character Ghost lurking in the background, sparking whispers that an announcement is imminent. Activision's going dark ties in with earlier reports from leaker Ralph Valve, who tweeted earlier this month that the date 30th of April will be significant. So I guess we just keep an eye out for that date. But plus we've got to remember that there won't be another Call of Duty next year, so there's quite a lot riding on this one. I mean, I know they're doing this free-to-play stuff and all that, but if we're talking main games, there's going to be a lot on this one, isn't there? Well, I imagine so. Um, I mean... In the last Modern Warfare got received really well. I think a lot of people saw this as kind of a return to form for Call of Duty. Uh, and I mean, it did kick off the whole free-to-play Warzone, um, which was yeah. very successful for them. Um, I suppose we'll wait and see. I've, I've heard a few a few little things, like um, I saw somewhere on Twitter there's... Uh, there's a couple of multiplayer potential leaks about it on that there's there's two guns that might be coming back from the original Model Warfare 2, which were fan favourites. So there was like a there was an ACR 10 assault rifle, I think. I could have that wrong. I might have this wrong way around the names, so don't quote me. So there was that, and then there was something called the Intervention, which is, actually no, I think that's the sniper rifle as well. Um, which were like two of the most sort of popular guns in the original Modern Warfare 2. And then there was also mention of 
changing the um, the attachment system to going back to just five attachments per gun. Yeah, yeah I think I heard about that. Um, which I, I, I don't know what to think about that, because I, I do like the whole ten attachments thing. I do think being able to really customise your gun to, to how you want to go. But I do think there's arguments that you get to a point where um, people just find... The OP the, things, the OP yeah. attachments, and yeah. use nothing else. I guess it makes balancing a lot more difficult, isn't it? When you, the more attachments you have. Yeah, yeah. I could see, I could see going with five would would probably be better in a, in a balanced term of like, okay, you can now really mix and match and stuff, and really hopefully they can balance the guns so it's not just like, oh, this gun's the most OP, everyone uses that one. Like, I think Colgers really had a struggle on having different guns be viable to use properly, especially in, like protons and whatnot. Yeah. Um but no, I I'm I look forward to it. I'm I'm sure it'll be a really good campaign. I think Modern Warfare's campaign was was one of Koji's best better ones. Um so yeah, I suppose we'll always see on April thirtieth. That's not the only Cold news, is it? No, not the only one. Um so Obviously, we know about Warzone. The the guys have every now and then certain events that happen, as all battle royale sort of games seem to have now. Um, and I think the uh, the Treyarch and Warzone twins were every so often uh, tweeting out little little small clippets of video of like what what could be in the next the next event. And sort of towards the end of them, you always hear this fairly familiar role that seemed to happen um so they did eventually come out officially um and announced that the call duty warzone is having an official tie-in with godzilla versus kong yeah called operation monarch um so they've released an official teaser where kong seems to already be on the island of caldera i think it is called Caldera, is it? Caldera, that's it. Um, and Kong's just punching the rubbish out of planes that are flying around him. Uh, as, he, as he normally does. As he normally does, because that's just, that's just Kong style. Uh, and he looks out into the sea and he spots a, uh, a reptilian Godzilla coming through the sea, uh, making his way towards the island. So Kong doesn't like this, charges towards him. Gives a running punch punch to him well goes for a punch and then the sort of clip stops so i'd be interested to see what what they're actually doing with this um how do you think it's actually going to play out in game what i'm hoping it's not going to play out is that you just see these two kind of fine in the background while you're just playing battle royale as normal i can see them actually fighting, well, obviously fighting on the island, but where the feet land, I can see some people getting squashed as collateral, and that being a mechanic. I could see, I could probably see that. I could probably see where maybe, I mean, this is probably my sort of ideal version of it, but so towards the start, kind of Kong is somewhere on a part of island where obviously you can't really land because... He's squished the place. Um, but then sometime into it, 
you get sort of a warning of Godzilla's approaching the island. Kong starts sort of this kind of notifies Kong where like he starts making his way along the island. So like you have to get warnings of kind of where he's going to be stepping and so sort of get out of his way while he's going towards Godzilla or something. And then maybe they meet somewhere on a pile of islands and that's where they end up fighting. And maybe that's where like the, the circle one collapses to as well. It's like right where they, they end up fighting something. So you have to like dodge them walking around while also trying to shoot the other people. Or... I'm going to play Devil's Advocate here and say it's probably not going to be that exciting. No, it probably isn't. <laughs> just see them scrapping in distance in background, it's going to make yeah. no change whatsoever. Or there'll just be a cutscene and it'll cause this destruction to the environment and then you just fight in that and then you'll see them in the background. Have you been playing Fortnite, Mark? No. Sounds very Fortnite Why would I play Fortnite? Well, look, it's Battle Royale, so it probably will play out a similar way then. I kind of hope not. I kind of I kind of hope there is some sort of interaction that Godzilla and Kong do. Like maybe like, or if like if if we do have okay the fine in the background, maybe they do stuff where they still kind of interact with the island. Like Godzilla goes for his atomic breath, gets kind of knocked over to look over towards the island, and like Liz comes towards the island. That'd be cool. (laughs) Or like Kong's like throwing planes at the at the island you know dodge that that would be kind of cool but i don't know i, I kind of hope it does well because like whenever fortnite does events they're doing really well like you get to sort of interact with why the event happens to be um but i suppose we'll see the uh the operation monarch is supposedly going to happen on the 11th of may so we will see how this goes and fingers crossed it's okay. It might actually, I might actually play Warzone on that day just to sort of check out what happens. And if it's rubbish, then I'm not playing it ever again. I did actually try and install it for when I oh, heard about this. you installed all that 100 gigabytes? Well, I didn't because I realised I didn't have enough on my hard uh, drive. Because <laughs> it's still a PS4 version, isn't it? There's no PS5 upgrade for it yet. No, they've... Um... If, sure was, if it was a PS5 version, I'd be able to get it, because I yeah. wouldn't have room for it. <laughs> I, I think there is talk about getting a, a PS5 version. That or the way in yeah. Warzone 2, perhaps. Because that's rumoured as well. We're probably coming out with model. Yep. Any, any other news? Because I'm officially ready. Yeah, so just reversing back to free-to-play games. So, at the minute, Sony and Microsoft are considering putting more intrusive ads into the free-to-play games. A bit like what we see on on mobile games. So, you'll go on and you might see like a video before launch of the game, or you'll watch a video to kind of unlock more coins. Um, Or you'll see kind of an ad in-game for something on a building or something like that. Um, Now... We've, we've had ads in sports titles for, for years. Like on FIFA, you can see ads for Spotify, for example, and loads of other things. So in terms of that, I don't think that would be too bad, like having some buildings with like kind of Sega on or something like that. But what's worrying is more if they were to go down like the video route of having to like watch a video before going into the game that kind of like blocks you. And it, and it kind of takes you out of the experience. Now, some people seem to think that 
there's going to be like ads that you can watch and then you'll get in-game skins for avatars and stuff like that. But yeah, I, I don't like the sound of it personally. I mean, I know that they've got to got to make money, um, but it just seems like this is another stream that they really don't need. Is this what the um like what the NBA 2K games tried doing? They tried to put adverts like like enforced adverts that you can't skip. Yeah, was that in like the loading screen where they played that video? Was that it? I can't quite remember. I think it might be mid game. You know, like stoppages and things like that. Oh god, during the stoppages. <laughs> Got like a 30 no. second to watch. To be honest, like I can see EA maybe doing that like at half time on pro clubs where you got the 30 no, seconds. No, no, don't get my ideas. Delete this bit. Let's let's watch an ad for Lotus Biscoff. <laughs> oh, adverts. Lotus Biscoff. <laughs> I hmm, this is a difficult one. I think because I remember. Um, Capcom actually tried to do so like this, um, where I think like during sort of games or matches that you played, any sort of um, kind of billboard or board style thing that was in the game or in that level would have some form of kind of advertisement to it. Um, and they also did it as well for like on some of the characters clothing as well they'd put on like I think it was just for Capcom and some like advertising their fighting tournament or whatever um, but it, it it was received pretty badly so like to the point where I think they ended up like having to remove it because people it would just annoy them yeah just really annoyed them um, so it's difficult if, if they start looking down this route. Like, I could see, like, if you did use, like, FIFA, for example, if you use the billboard in the games as advertisements, okay, that's fine. Um, it's not intrusive. Yeah, I don't have to really look at them. Um, and if you, I don't know, I'm trying to think what else they could do. But stuff like, stuff like videos, like adverts, like, I don't, I don't want my video games to turn into YouTube. Well, in in that, if they were to go down that route, you could see them probably coming out with a Fortnite premium that you pay a monthly subscription for to get no ads down the line. I mean, that would be absolutely terrible. But on the other side of it, with costs of everything going up, including development, is this a necessary evil to kind of mitigate a monthly fee for some of these games? Or is it just greed? Greed. I think you've answered yourself there. <laughs> I mean, I understand they've got they've got to make money because none of the none of these gaming businesses they don't do it out of the goodness of their hearts or love for the industry generally. It's all about that money. Well, uh, yeah. But in the end, it still is greed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just trying to think though, like, because it's they're saying they're free to play games. Like, I what's? Well, I can't think. I can't think of one that PlayStation does. Well, it'd be well Fortnite, Warzone, not not PlayStation exclusive. It's a deal that they would strike with that console. Oh, publisher. okay, right. And then the it would eventually play. filter down to Epic and the the game studio. I can't see why Epic would do it. They they already make. Way too much from Fortnite, anyway. 
just with all the skins. But they cost. you got to sign deals with all these companies to get the skins. I know they sell them, but... They still make a lot of money from it. I should know. I'm a bad influence. Uh... <laughs> well, apparently this is touted to be rolled out at the end of this year in some form. So I'm get, I guess we'll see what happens with it. Merry Christmas. I think that's just PlayStation side, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's PlayStation side. Nothing's come out on the Xbox side, as far as I know. Microsoft, don't do it. Be a good guy, Microsoft. <laughs> you, you know they're going to do it. Well, they'll probably need to make some full money after after that buyout of... Xbox. And Switch. <laughs> no, I can see Nintendo do it. Yeah, they will. It's going to happen. No. I think you, Matt, I think you see Nintendo as this bastion of, of like, love of gaming. And they're probably the worst out of everybody. The monopolistic practices that they used in the 80s and early 90s and 2000s were absolutely disgusting. And the constant, like, lawsuits and things like that, and, you know. Which publishers is on the lawsuit at this point? Oh, come on. You know, you know Nintendo. As bad as everyone else. They make good games, though. Well, that's contrary to opinion. No, it's a fact, and you know it is. I'm not going to get into that. Well, I, I was saying that for Mark's benefit. Like, I, I enjoyed Nintendo games. I'm not saying for Mark's benefit. He doesn't need benefit. Look, anyway. We will, we will confirm. He'll get a Switch at some point. Hey, it might happen. Who knows? Who knows? Really? Who knows? Right, shall we finish up with then? Uh, I've got a couple of stories about everyone's favourite hack and slash game recently, uh, Elden Ring. So, players, this is taken from Eurogamer. Players in Elden Ring are getting soft banned for picking up underpants dropped by other players. Players have been discovering discovering a cut pair of underwear in the game. The deathbed smalls were meant to be part of the NPC. Fear, FIA, Fear's armor set, but are unobtainable without hacking the game. But hacks and mods cannot be used without bypassing the game's anti-cheat system, and simply owning the pants, even if obtained by another player, is seemingly enough to trigger the soft ban. Right. So according to reports on Reddit, such as one user by OK Communication 7125 players were unaware the pants were an unobtainable item, even though they've deleted the item, their account, their account is still blocked from playing online. What's worse is there appears to be a culprit name, named Pantsu Dealer <laughs> who will invade players' games and drop the pants for unsuspecting players to obtain, causing them a ban. Uh, a, new, uh, a new patch has removed a supposed bug that allowed unauthorised items to be passed to other players, so it seems this may be fixed. In the end, the moral of this story, everyone, is leave the undies alone. That's uh, it. Don't be perverts. <laughs> just yeah. leave them alone. Thou shall be punished for your temptation. <laughs> Very Japanese. <laughs> Isn't it just? Isn't it just? But that's not the only story from Elden Ring. So when there's despair, a legend rises. So this is from IGN. In the grim, unforgiving world of Elden Ring, there are no characters that can truly be considered heroes. Not even the protagonist. But one community member has risen to fame in the last week. A naked man, wearing nothing but a jar on his head, who waits outside the door to the game's hardest boss 
under the polite request of a name called Let Me Solo Her. Let Me Solo Her is an unassuming, altruistic player who has been dropping his summon sign outside the boss fight door of Melania for the last week or more. Melania, while not a mandatory fight for finishing Elden Ring, is the culmination of multiple side quests and has become notorious in the community as one of the most difficult battles from software has ever designed. Uh, so naturally, there are plenty of players who feel they want to finish it for completion, but are struggling to do so. Enter, let me solo her. While Elden Ring is largely a solo adventure, players can opt in to co-op using certain items that will reveal summon signs, gold markings on the ground that allow them to call other players, who have opted into becoming summoned. Uh, to their games and work together until the dungeon is completed a boss defeated or someone dies. In Let Me Solo Her's case, it simply drops his summon sign outside Melania's boss door and, once called upon, heads inside the boss chamber and immediately proceeds to wreck Melania without anyone else's help. Uh, this both allows whoever is hosting him uh, in the game to get the kill and move on with the story, but also provides a hell of a show. So, um, they did a, an interview with the bloke who actually... And on his first try, trying to beat this boss, he actually took him 242 attempts wow. in his original playthrough. So he's doing this to get revenge, then? Yeah, it seems like he... Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like it, yeah, yeah. I think once he, once he cracked it, he just thought, I'm just going to take you out every opportunity. Uh, he's got 200 hours on his character, and he's a level 179. I don't know how big that is in term. But, um, yeah, he, all, he just wears a jar on his head with underwear on and carries jeweled katanas. And that's all he uses. And, but this has also led to memes and uh, fan art galore. It's become proper legend in the community <laughs> online. Go and check out him on YouTube. He's a true master at work. Yeah, there we go. I think that's it for the news. Okay, shall we move on to what we're currently playing? Oh, I go on. Slack is off. No, yeah, got, come I've, on. Got, I've got quite a bit. Okay, so. Ooh, exciting. Yeah. So, finally, my brother and I have managed to complete the campaign of Far Cry 6. Oh, so, okay. yeah. So, basically, the story is that there's a dictator called Anton Castillo, uh, played, of course, by the fantastic Giancarlo Esposito. Uh, he's trying to reinstate the island of Yara back to its former glory. And he has a 13-year-old son uh, called Diego, whom he is trying to groom into becoming his successor. But Diego is torn between like honouring his father and honouring Yara's citizens, as he witnesses like the atrocities his father commits against them. Uh, you play a character called Danny Rojas, uh, who after a personal tragedy joins the guerrilla movement and attempts to unite various factions to try and overthrow this regime. Now, this game, and probably Far Cry in general, um, don't get a lot of love nowadays, I think. They're labelled as, like, generic and repetitive. I mean, they are Ubisoft open world games, so I guess I kind of get it. They are valid points. There is a lot of, like, take over this place and kill everyone here. If you were playing a single player, yeah, I can sort of understand that maybe you don't have as much engagement with that sort of thing. But I have to say, as a co-op, I had a blast with it, my brother. Um, I think that's just, I think that's generally just down like you just make your own little adventures and things like that, really. Mm. Uh, you know, like coordinating with each other to like stealthily take over a, I don't know, tobacco plantation that's been invaded by soldiers. 
I mean, well, stealth is the intention, but usually it ends up in a massive gunfight. Uh, but and then all the tobacco, tobacco ends up on fire. Uh, but hey, it's fun. Um, oh no. Yeah. But just running around, causing mayhem together. You know, this wingsuiting, power suit, power shooting, um, which makes traversal fun. There's some f- fun vehicles in there too. Um, my favourite is a buggy where you can ramp off a mountain and then you flip a switch and it turns it into like a paramotor thing. Just, you can, oh, so nice. you can start flying it. And then you, you oh. get near the ground and then you can turn it back off and then you just start riding. Really cool. So you've got companions or amigos and these are animals that will help you out through your journey. Uh, so we've got Chuizo, disabled puppy we all know about. Guapo, the alligator. And then of course there's the Chikaron, the psychotic booster. And there's a there's a couple of others too. Um, it's actually quite a nice looking game as well, actually. Um, it's quite pretty with the Caribbean sunlight and sunlight beaming down, purple skies at dusk. It's got a very Cuban esque feel to it. You know I like cigars, so I was right at home. Um, I could understand its detractors, but my brother and I we just thought they enjoyed it, our time with it. And to top it off, of course you've got the gun that plays the back around. So you know, bonus <laughs> points right there. What more do you want? <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I, I, I enjoyed it. But I can understand people who don't have much love for him. The next game I played was one called Escape First. And the, the, the I in first is a one for reasons that I don't understand. Um, so this game it has a tagline right, that says a competitive multiplayer escape room game. Okay. I, for the life of me, cannot see where the multiplayer aspect comes into it. I couldn't see anything to suggest multiplayer when I was on it. So when you start the game, you're just walking around in first person. And you can choose which room you want to do and change language. And that's it. That's all it shows. Um, Anyway, there are three escape rooms in the game. And as you would expect, they are rooms containing puzzles, which you have to complete within the time limit to then escape the room. So the first room I played was one called Psycho Circus. And here you are locked in the dressing room of a clown who is currently performing on stage at said circus. And you have to escape before he returns. And you've got 45 minutes. That sounds terrifying if you hate clowns. It does. So in it, you find objects and you examine them to find clues for other steps in the puzzle. Uh, and then you put objects in certain places, uncover codes for keypads, etc., things like that. Now, it's a dark game, and I mean that in the literal sense. The lighting is dark. It's difficult to actually see things. Um, colours play an important part of some puzzles, and they're quite muted in their tone, and it's it's quite difficult to pick them out. Um, mm. So I wiped the brightness upon the TV. Didn't really help that much, because everything just got saturated and become whiter, so... That didn't really do much. Um, and you like you'll you'll pick up notes and you're trying to read them in the dark. It's like it's a bit of a nightmare. So once you so you're like feeling rotating them about, trying to get an angle to see like where they're lit up and readable. Um, now I think any escape room scenario, the main issue is always the beginning. It's like where do you start? I think that's always the biggest problem for escape rooms. Yeah. Um, and it was a problem for me. Uh, it wasn't helped that frequently the game would try and put you off with like sound effects that would happen. So they're basically they're just designed to freak you out. So in the middle mm. of this, the door kept banging every now and again, which is a bit freaking. 
I managed to do bits of it, but I was struggling. And it got to, eventually it got to like I had five minutes left. I'm just I'm just not going to be able to do this. I just, I can't I can't work this out. Um, so I just sort of like accepted my fate and gave up. And uh, I watched the countdown. Like, come on then, scary clown, come and get me. Time runs out. Nothing happened. <laughs> uh, yeah. It, hmm? oh, sorry, in the game, is there any like hints or anything you can switch on to make it easier, or is it just this is the game and, and that's there are. it? There are. There are, but I didn't bother doing them. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's. I have to say, it's not the best programmed game. It's. It feels like a a, a game that was very much made on the cheap. Because apparently you press square, I think it was, and it's supposed to do a hint. But every time I did that, it didn't show a hint. But if I went on the menu and selected hint, it would show it there. And I couldn't be bothered to keep going on the menu to look at a hint. That's strange. And you can't pause it. The, the timer still continues on the uh, on the pause menu. But yeah, so timer runs out. And all that happens is that the timer just starts going back up. So it could actually take as long as you want, really, with no punishment. Okay. Yeah. And then I pressed another, uh, I did another one called Don't Press the Button. I uh, couldn't do that one either. I mean, I'm guessing I'm only decent at these as part of a team. I think I think if you were playing it alongside someone, it might be a, a better experience. But mm. on your own, I'm just not very good. Uh, another game I played is one called Beyond Blue. So this is a educational underwater diving game. Now, this game was uh, inspired, I think it was in conjunction with um, the BBC series The Blue Planet 2. And it plays as a sort of interactive documentary, really. So you play an oceanographer called Mirai, uh, who goes on an expedition into the depths of the ocean, and you're accompanied via radio by two other scientists who assist you. So you go on a series of dives in the ocean, and there's a number of buoys that have been placed down there. And you use these to ping and analyse sounds you hear in the surrounding environment. Now, once you've located these... Uh, you swim there, and that's where you conduct your scientific studies, that kind of thing. And there's a sort of narrative going on where, um, where you're like doing live streaming your dives to the public, and you're following the lives of a family of whales. That's kind of like the overarching thing. You're following these whales. Uh, one of the first things I actually did was find a pod of dolphins, so very on brand there. Uh, <laughs> and what you do is you scan and analyse ocean life, and on occasion interact with them, like observing their behaviour. And things like that. Uh, I also chased an octopus into a, a cave. I found myself at one point with a group of sharks just circling around me, which is unnerving. Uh, but there's no dangers in the game, you know, you can't be attacked or anything like that. Uh, plus, there's no oxygen tank level like, like level either, so you can just stay down there as long as you want, just exploring the ocean. Mm. Um, now, in between each dive, uh, you go on board a submersible, and on there you can examine what you found so far. Uh, they've got like these interactive models of like the animals you've scanned and things like that, which you can rotate and examine. Um, now, the more you scan a particular thing, the more information opens up about it. So you like unlock like real photos or graphs and interesting facts about them. There's also a series of short videos. So you've got like interviews and snippets from like real world oceanographers and deep sea explorers. And they're quite interesting if you want to learn about the subject of that sort of thing. And it's just it's just a really pleasant game. Um, it's just nice being in the ocean, you know, it's hearing the ambience and the gentle music and observing nature, that kind of thing. 
It sounds a lot like uh, the Endless Ocean games that came out on the Wii. Yeah, I used to have that. Endless Ocean, yeah. It's a credit to the game that it actually made me think, you know, that we should probably be doing more for the ocean. I think that's its intention, really. Yeah. Uh, because, well, let's be honest, humans don't really treat the ocean that well. Uh, yeah, it does make you think about the conservation and why it's important to protect the creatures in there. It's just a nice little experience, and if sea life interests you, give it a try. It's quite short. It's only about three hours long, if that. But I played one more game. <laughs> so recently, we had the uh, the version 1.000 recurring update for eFootball. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I thought I'd give this a try. So the game launched... And I was put into a friendly game between Argentina and Portugal uh, whilst it was still installing like other parts of the game. Mm. Clearly, the game just going, look, we've got Messi and Ronaldo, you know, <laughs> please play. Um, yeah. Forgive us for our sins. I couldn't find any way to change the control scheme because obviously I wanted to put FIFA controls on. Couldn't find it. Um, so I had to stick with PES controls, which I am very much not used to. Uh, pre-match animations, not too bad for the most part, although we still got issues. All the Portuguese players, um, they had their arms around each other, but all the hands were like levitating, levitating like two inches above the shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, like they don't want to touch each, touch each other, but COVID, I guess. Well, these um, times of COVID, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the actual gameplay, passing feels sluggish. <laughs> feels a bit hit and hope that will reach anyone. Like what I found is like I pick a player, to pass to but when i do it the ball would sail past the intended player and go to someone beyond him or even worse to the opposition player shooting i found a bit stupid the number of times times i found myself on one-on-one situations and my guy just blazed it over the bar that was insane i mean i wasn't even overpowering the shot either i was just tapping it uh, on brand for you. i'm gonna pretend i didn't hear that uh <laughs> gameplay in general is quite slow I mean, apparently you can increase it in the menu, but I don't think it really improved the games with the shortcomings. I did, however, score a fourth-minute stoppage time winner. And in doing so, I got five trophies just for that one thing. Oh, oh nice one. one. They've got to give you something for yeah. it, though. Including a silver one. For playing the game. Um, so I completed the... So did finish that, and I, complete, I did the full download and went back on it. And so you have to get... You have to pick a club. So I picked Sheffield RB, of course, even though I have no idea what the RB is supposed to stand for. Any ideas? I just, I don't Red know. badge? <laughs> Who knows? Maybe. And then there was like some flashy video that played um, that they always do in football games where it's like cutscenes where everyone's pulling off amazing tricks that nobody can actually do in game, but they're just there for giggles in the cutscene. Um, and it's just trying to get you hyped up for this dream team thing which is their version of, like, Ultimate Team, of course. Mm. And it takes you straight to that mode, where I was, gre- I was greeted by what seemed like a never-ending amount of pop-ups uh, for things that I didn't care about or even want to know about. And once I was through that, I realised that's the whole game. The whole game is just this dream team thing. So I, you're probably not surprised to learn that I just switched it off. <laughs> not for me. I could I couldn't be bothered with all that. Mm. Yeah. Uh I've played another game, but I suspect Matthew's going to be talking about that. So 
I'm going to shoot it over to him. Go on, Matthew. I will just chip it when you speak about it. Right. Unless you don't end up speaking Uh, about it, and then, well. (laughs) Then that's it. We'll never speak about it ever again. Yeah. Okay. So, played quite a few few games this time around. A couple new. I'll continue with talking about Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga. So I've I've completed all the movies now. I've done episodes one, two, nine, and I'm just currently kind of well, I suppose now doing the the collector form that Lego games are so sort of designed for nowadays. So sort of going through all the free modes, going through the maps, trying to essentially collect everything at this point. I think the the recreations of all films have have been done really well. Really enjoyed how they've handled all the movies. Do you feel I do feel that there's some there's some moments in some of the films that I wish they could have gone gone through and done properly. So like if you've if you've ever watched episode eight, which was Last Jedi, if you haven't, this might be a bit of a spoiler, but there is a bit sort of towards the end where there is a bit of a not necessarily like a space battle, but there's sort of a battle between sort of the First Order and the Resistance kind of in this like salt kind of planet that looked pretty cool visually with the the ships that kind of dragged along the floor so sort of bringing up sort of the, the red and red soul one which looked pretty cool but you don't you don't get so sort of battled that you get to sort of do sort of the part between sort of afterwards where you're escaping in effect mm-hmm. but there, there is some good bits you know being able to do the half battle was was pretty cool doing the first sort of trench run on the Death Star in episode four was pretty cool. I'd tell the recreate that. And just really enjoyed it. Just, I think I've, I've really enjoyed this uh, this Lego game. I think it's definitely, if, if not the best Lego game that I've played, definitely one, one of the best ones. I just like everything that brought to it. How long did it take you to complete? Um, I'd probably say it took me about two to three hours per episode. So probably around the 25, 30-hour mark. You could probably do it quicker than me because some of the bits I was sort of seeing if I could actually get any of the kyber, kyber bricks without having to go into free free mode. Yeah. But you do need... A lot of them is pretty much built for free mode where you can choose sort of which character classes you need to do what more you need to do. So, But no, just going through. I think I'm... It tells me I'm about 50% through. But it does, it does feel... Like it's going to take a, a long, maybe like another 15, 20 hours for, for the rest of them. But, you know, I'll go for it because I like my Star Wars games and I like my Lego games. So I'll, uh, I'll go for it eventually. Might take me a couple of pods to get through that. So Next game that I've recently gone back to because I fancied a bit of shooey shooey pew pew games was Call of Duty Vanguard. Hmm. Yes. Um, is is this the game that you're talking about, Mark? Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> it is. So um, we we went on it recently, and um, I found there was a, a new game mode that was added to I think in season two, which is called Arms Race. Uh, so effectively, is this fairly large style map in uh, in the Alps they called it, where there is seven sort of control points that both teams fight over and the game feels very much like a like a mini 
war zone in effect so you like you parachute initially you parachute and you can choose where you parachute um at a point where sort of both planes kind of go on a straight line over the map and you choose where you want to go and then you fight the other team for control of the maps and basically like whoever controls all the points so towards the end game again the game wins there is a few different changes to it where each game starts a bit different where there's two specific points on the map that get essentially what they call nebula bond where like the the area becomes gassed and you can't control that area basically so you always end up flying for like five areas in the map and there's there's always like the same two two different points that get picked so you go fight for the rest of the maps and then after a certain amount of time there's what's called a, a nebula crate that appears on the map between it, it tries to balance it between two different points that have been fought over by the different teams and if you pick that crate up and if you take it back to one of your hideouts you can then choose an enemy hideout to bomb basically so it takes takes out a base throughout the map until you eventually get to like maybe two points where you both flying over the crate and then you end up sort of being at one point and then at which point the other team then has to start spawning in the air and sort of parachuting into that last point and still fighting over that point and then for and then there's also like a, a money system to it so if you get kills you get money you capture bases you get money you can pick up money from dead soldiers you've killed and that enables you to get better weapons or you can buy one of your pre-loadouts that you've made or you can get a vehicle or whatnot so there's quite a bit to the game mode there's it's, it's definitely a an objective based game mode where you can't maybe in typical call of duty fashion kind of lone wolf it there is like actual sort of teamwork to it now the few games that i played before i played with mark i, I was enjoying it i was i was quite liking it it, it <laughs> <laughs> like I said, he didn't enjoy it when he played it with me, but go on. Yeah. And it wasn't that I weren't enjoying it with you, but no, I definitely... right. You've said it now. You've said it now. Well, okay. Uh, <laughs> it's on record. I was I was enjoying it to a certain extent. Obviously, there is a bit of frustration if your team's not coordinated, shall we say. Uh, it can be a little, a little bit frustration, uh, frustrating at that point. But, you know, I, I, I like it when Call of Duty kind of leans into more of the objective star stuff. Like, yeah. I still want, I'm kind of hoping at some point, maybe a future season of Vanguard brings back the war game mode from World War Two because I absolutely loved that game mode and played it to death. Yeah, so did I. But I did notice sort of like, you know, the first few games that, that we played together, I don't think you, you really knew I what was going what, on, basically. I, yeah, I didn't know what was happening. <laughs> you didn't know what was going on. Which, you know, my, my first few games, I was, I was probably quite similar. I was like, Okay, so we need parachuting stuff. I mean, well, I knew we had to capture points, but like, how do you against these points? There seems to be certain walls that you take down and whatnot. And then there can be a massed spawn of tanks from the other team at some point as well that just absolutely destroy a base, which is not fun. It's just, I found the design of the map was just a bit iffy because it seems like if you control the big, is it a castle in the middle or something like that? Yeah, so there's, there's a, a central point that's like the castle. Um, so if you control that, basically everyone just goes on the top of there and has sniper rifles. So I'm just yeah. they can pick you off inside other bases. I'm just like yeah, that, that's on. quite annoying. If if so, like if you if you start the game sort of spawning in on top of there, then you can sort of like 
if if your I suppose squad coordinates to being on there, then like whenever one person dies, they could like spawn to another base that got get the, the sniper rifle class or something, and then die at some point and eventually spawn back on the mate that's still on top of the castle. So it's mm. just that is irritating. That does get to an irritating point where it's it's definitely a a sniper's heaven kind of map. Like if you're good at sniping, then it's a map that you'll love playing on, which is irritating for me. Oh yeah, then I, obviously I tried to do the loadouts and I found out like I've got three sort of sniper loadout classes, oh, yeah. and none of them had scopes on them for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> one of them, I, I don't know what went. You're just there. running around with sniper rifles without a scope on it. Yeah, <laughs> so you just iron sights. Because I know I've got, I, I think two of them are meant to be just iron sights. But I'm supposed to have one that's definitely got a scale on it. And I don't know why he didn't have it on. Well, because that class is called Sniper. <laughs> so yeah. That's the one that I usually have the scope on. But I did it, and it's just like, nah, you, you're not having a scope, mate. You, you're, gonna have to... <laughs> you're not allowed to scope. <laughs> yeah. You can have this massive map, and you're going to have to do it by your eyesight. by your eyes or something. Get on with it. Yeah. And inevitably, I just got my ass handed to me. So, But that always happens in whatever game mode I play, to be quite honest. So what's, what's new there? Well, I don't know. You're pretty decent at shipment. I hate shipment. Yeah, shipment. That's, that's, I just, that's, that, that's, that winds me up. Shipment is my jam, as the kids say now. Especially the new shipment, where it's like you can get on top of the boxes and crates. You know, you got those. I don't do that. Being... I don't do that. There's, there's one. I don't think I played with you. There's one that I played yesterday where it was constantly people just love just climbing on top of these bloody crates for the life of. I just, I hate it. Annoying flies, for lack of any other term that I wanted to use at that point. Flies <laughs> is good. Um, yeah. But no, I, I, I think I went back into it because I wanted to try and complete the battle pass as quickly as possible because it is running out sometime within, within the next few days. Is the battle pass actually worth it? I mean, is there anything true? I mean, it's, I mean, it's nice for like cosmetics and stuff, but like if you don't want that kind of stuff, then probably not really. Oh, boss, we're talking about. I've got to be. What is going on with the Snoop Dogg thing? Why is he in the game? <laughs> what on earth? Why? I Why? S- it's a World War Two game. Why is he in it? I don't know. I just, that's like saying they had like Attack of Titans crossover at one point as well. I know, but it's just it's just a bit much. <laughs> well, it'll it'll get a bit much once uh, once Godzilla and Kong start. Rampaging through water. <laughs> or Snipe so. Dog, they insist you call it. Mm, mm. So, yeah. I did make him do a somersault, though. I, I, yeah. No, you did, yeah. You did, you shared that. That was quite funny. So. Yeah. Shot him and he just uh, did a backflip thing... for some reason. <laughs> it's probably something that's built into his death animation. If he dies, yeah. just as a backflip. So, yeah. So, that's Vanguard. So, there's, there's two new games... I've played this time around. So I thought I'd give this I'd give this one game a go because one, well, it came with the PS Plus recently, uh, and two, we're still on a bit of a, I suppose, Sonic fix from watching the film. So I decided to download and start playing Team Sonic Racing. So if you don't know what this is, it's pretty much Mario Kart but with Sonic people. Pretty much. Sonic, Sonic people. Sonic people, yeah. Sonic and French, should I say. 
No, well, it's a little bit more complex than that. So with Sonic Team Racing, is you've got a kart race where you're racing through various tracks made from some of the levels throughout Sonic's history. But there's a bit of a twist to it where you you race as as an actual team rather than just being individually. So there's various different teams in the game. So you've got Sonic's team, which consists of himself, Tails and Knuckles. There is Team Rose, I think it's called, where you've got um, Amy Rose, Big the Cat, and I want to say it's Cream the Rabbit, I think. I didn't play any more to sort of lock any of the other teams, but I know there's like, you've got Shadow's team, which I think is like himself, Rouge the Bat, and E01, which is the robot. And then I think there's a fourth team as well. But basically the whole the whole premise is you're racing for this other, this character that's come in and started promoting these like races for some reason. And I've only played sort of a few of them. So... I've not got a whole grasp of, of the thing, but it's it's more about winning as a team rather than individually. So like, say if like you came first, brilliant. But if the rest of your team came sort of like dead last, then as a team you've lost basically. So <laughs> uh, if we play as a team, I can see what happens there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, there is online, I think, still. So so it's pretty much it's it's, it's fairly you know if you ever play like Mario Kart or even like the Sonic. Sega all-star racing games, you, you you sort of know what you're kind of getting into, where you've got you know you've got the power-ups, they're all sort of very similar. You've got sort of your single rockets, you've got homing ones, you've got the speed-ups, and then I think you've got these blocks that you can drop in front as like almost like the banana skin of, of the Team Sonic racing. But you've also got different stuff where like if you've picked up a power-up, you can actually transfer that power-up to someone else in your team. Like if if they need like maybe like a speed boost or something if they're lagging behind you can like pass that over to them and they can use that then to catch up and stuff. And then you've also got sort of team team moves as well, where it's essentially just like a, a team speed boost basically. But if you hit other, I think other teams have specialities to them. But as playing as sort of Sonic's team, you essentially get just like a massive speed boost and you can like bump other cars out of the way and stuff. But so far, I was I, I was enjoying it. I think the racing feels, the the actual race car itself feels a bit heavy. Like I, I had that same feeling playing the the Sega All Stars car games where the, the cars the cars themselves feel a little heavy. But the drift in that is is fine. It's um it works similar to Mario Kart and that like if you drift long enough, you can build yourself sort of an extra speed boost coming out of it. And yeah, it's uh, I'm, I'm enjoying it so far. Um, I only played, like I said, I've only played a couple of races in the campaign. So I need to, at some point, get back to that when I do. The last new game that I played that I've got on Switch is a arcade classic that I kept my eye on when, when it got announced for the Switch. And that is the House of the Dead remake. Cool. So I think it, like, Maybe my generation, if you like, grew up never went into the arcades and you ever saw some of the sort of gun games around. I think one of the more popular ones that you probably saw was The House of the Dead, which I absolutely loved. Um, I put way too many coins in that machine <laughs> to go for it. Same with stuff like Time Crisis and Point Blank as well. I think mm. classic games. 
So they've remade this on, on the Switch, where you can use even the gyro controls for the Joy-Con. You can also use gyro controls on a Pro Controller as well, or you can just use Pro Controllers, sort of left stick or right stick, to use for aiming. There was a YouTuber that I followed that um, I sort of watched his impressions on it um, initially before playing myself, who suggested sort of use the the poor controller stick controls because they're unfortunately a little bit more accurate because um, the, the gyro is a bit, according to him, it was, it was a bit off, which is a bit unfortunate, I think. But you can't really get as accurate as what, so the, the Wii remote was, you know, it was, it was built to be accurate compared to gyroscope kind of controls. So, But no, going through it, I think it's, it's a very faithful remake. Graphically, it's, it's, really, it's, it's really impressive to look at. I do like that when you sort of kill the zombies in these, they, they have like a, a ragdoll effect. So you can like, you can continue just chewing them and just like the bodies just flying along the floor, which is quite funny. <laughs> yeah, graphically, it's really impressive. Really like how they've done it. Um, the gore is just as gory as it is in this game as it was in the original in the arcades. And having, so it's, it's got different, different, difficulty settings to it as well which I think helps so I went through it first on easy and found that I was actually like I've never completed this game in arcades funnily enough I've, I've gone to like maybe the second to the last boss and I've always just like fell apart to it but going through it on easy like managed to get all the way to like the final boss without losing life and then proceeded to lose several lives to the final boss because <laughs> it's very difficult Managed to complete it though, so I was I was happy on that. But apparently I got like the the bad ending to it. So apparently there's like three endings to Sounds of Dead where depending on how much score you get, you can get some certain different endings. So I ended up getting like the worst ending where sort of the one of the characters sort of girlfriends that's in it ends up sort of turning to a zombie basically by the end that you see while you're driving away from the from the house. Which which is it's always been kind of strange how like like that happens like you, no matter how you seem to complete why ending you end up just driving away from the house anyway even if like girl girlfriend survives or not <laughs> which is a bit strange but fair enough but no really enjoyed it I decided to go through again on arcade difficulty and yeah didn't didn't get as far this time right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, or there was definitely a lot of continues that was used. So there's, there's, if this was the actual arcade, I'd probably lost about five quid. Yeah, um, wallet, wallet would be a lot larger. Yeah, it was it? gone. So, but no, really, really enjoyed it. Was well, was looking forward to it anyway. But um, I'm, I'm happy to have gone through it. Bit disappointed to hear that literally like two weeks after it came out, they announced it's they're putting it on all platforms now. Yeah. So I feel well, like. Maybe I could have waited. Probably got like the PC. I'm probably sure like the PC version would probably be the best. Because I imagine any other sort of console version will be with like the control movement, which is a bit unfortunate. But no, happy to see that it's got it's gone through. It's it's going to be on other platforms. Hope it does well. I've heard that they are working on the second game to remake as well, which is probably the one that I played the most in the arcades. So I'll wait wait to hear more on that news. So. Uh, but that's me. That's uh, that's what I've played. So, what about you, Nathan? Yeah. So, over the last couple of weeks, I've not played as many games as I would have liked. Basically, last week I went to a trade show for work, and I ended up taking my Switch with me. 
And I thought to myself, I'm going to have ages to play games. It'll be great. I'll be in the hotel room with nothing to do. Um, so I ended up taking three games with me. I took Metroid Dread, Super Mario Maker 2, mm-hmm. and Mario Odyssey. So I thought, yeah, I'll be able to chill out and play these games in the hotel room. In reality, did have no time to play any games. But I did make a start on Metroid Dread. So I've not really played any Metroid games before. So this is kind of the first mm. one that I'm getting into that's a bit more modern because I've played some of the original ones in yeah. the past and got my arse thoroughly handed to me. But, um, yeah, so it, it came up with this cutscene. Um, Samus is fighting this creature. She gets blasted away. I had no idea what was going on whatsoever. And then she wakes up without all of her powers and I've got to kind of, like, traverse these levels and go through these tunnels and things while fighting these creatures. Mm. Now, I don't know whether that's a trope in all Metroid games, but from, in my opinion, she seems to just lose her powers a lot. And then you have to go and find them again to unlock certain areas. That just seems to be just the way it works. Isn't that a standard thing in just like all sequels for every game? It's just like, uh, it's, uh, what was it? It's definitely some of those established in Super Metroid. But I think it's 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 a thing that seems to happen when when you get to sort of sequels. Like it's, it's something that happened in Castlevania: Symphony of the Night when you're playing as Alucard. Like when you first play as him, you've got like everything. You're like this yeah. powerful being, and then death comes along and sort of swipes all the powers from you. You have to like start again from the beginning, basically. It, it is a sequel yeah. thing. It's like, well, how do we go from Samus having all the power-ups from one game to not having them in the next game. So, For me, I, I bit of me wishes that I could have been part of that first fight when she had like, all the powers so I could experience them. Now I know what I need to try and get. But a bit of me is intrigued about what powers she does have so that I can try and track them down. I've uh, recovered one of the abilities, so it's kind of to like hone in on a certain section and then... I think it's like a missile that it fires out because I've taken down like the first mini boss that comes after you. Uh, so that's that's done. But I've got to a point now where this thing that I can't attack is chasing me through all these tunnels. It's the first time that I've come across it. And yeah, it's it scares the living hell out of me because well, I, I don't know where to go. And I get flustered and then I'm like, just kill me. Just have it. I don't want this anymore. <laughs> That's, that's why it's called Metroid Dread. So. Yeah, the, the emphasis on the Dread, definitely. Yeah. So I've tried that a few times. I've not been able to do it yet, but that's where I'm stuck at the minute, like the first encounter with it. And yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> but before that, it was good, like getting to grips with the controls, killing the little creatures. That's 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 good. Um, finding like little tricks and areas to go because... As you go through the game, like the map expands, so you kind of see like little hints and and things you can find, which is nice. I like the exploration side of it, and when the enemies aren't too difficult, that's all good. But yeah, th- this one's proving difficult. But yeah, as I said, I'm not not that far in on that one, and I've not played too much of it. But I'm hoping to get back into that uh, when I've got some more time and play it because I know like you swear by it, Matt, and I, it, it's critically acclaimed a lot of people really love it and i just want to try and experience that for myself mm. so <laughs> yeah true it's insane that it wasn't no- nominated for anything but anyway 
So the next game that I've been playing is Forza Horizon 3. So I've been working my way back through the Horizon games because my first one was Forza Horizon 4. And then obviously I got five subsequently. And I've got all the other previous games because I enjoyed those that much that I, I was like, right, I'm going to get all the others and kind of work my way back through them. So I've uh, I got to Forza Horizon 3 now because I got the itch to play Forza Horizon 4. I'm like, mm, let's try it. Let's change it up a bit and do something different. So Forza Horizon 3 takes the Horizon Festival to a fictional Australia. So, yeah, this this game's roughly twice the size of its predecessor. I've not played that yet, but I do want to because Horizon 2 is based in southern France, northern Italy. So I think that'll be a really nice place to drive around and experience but in horizon 3 you now play as the director of the festival not just you're not just a racer as part of the festival so you have a lot more control so you do your races obviously as you normally do but it's your job to kind of build the festival up and build followers so by doing like speed challenges and certain tricks and doing races you kind of build the following of the festival and they can upgrade certain areas or unlock certain festival locations as you as you do that. So I've been just been exploring, really, because that's probably one of my favourite bits about the Horizon games, just basically getting in a car and just exploring the locations and and doing doing that side of it. I'm, I enjoy the racing, obviously. That's that's good. And also the showcase events. They're fantastic, as always. Um, but in this one. You, you have to do other things like sign up radio stations, which I thought was a bit strange because on four and five, they all seem to be unlocked automatically for you. But in this one, you start out with nothing pretty much. And then you for every like stage you get to in the game, you get to sign another two radio stations so you can pick the ones that you want uh, to build up that list. And then you can also level up the... Uh, festival locations as well so if you do a certain amount of races it'll allow you to level up those locations so if you enjoy certain aspects of racing like I like the street racing so I'll level up that side of the festival Um, but if I wasn't fond of the off-road side then I'd just leave that one be and focus on the bits that I do like so but yeah it's it's really enjoyable Um, it's got a decent selection of cars every time you do unlock a new um, location to set an event up it has its own kind of style of races so I've just got to the off-road side now. And at that stage, you do get to pick a car to start off with, to race with, to unlock more. And um, what I've found is I will pick a car but not grade it because it's more cost-effective to go into the the shop, the online shop, and buy a car from there because it's like half the price of actually doing the work yourself. So I don't know whether it's me being cheap and or lazy, probably, um, but that's what I've decided to do now. So instead of tuning my own car up, I leave the car that I get automatically well, to its own devices in the garage. And I just go and buy an S2 car or something from from the store, which is good. But yeah, it's it's got all these elements that you'd expect in a Horizon game. It's got all the, the garage finds. I, I always enjoy them when there's a new one of those to do. So basically, periodically in the game, like the, the main narrator will tell you, there's a garage in this location and it gives you kind of a marker in a quite a vast location. You've got to then go to that location and find this old garage to get to this old car that they'll kind of do up for you. So it's nice kind of going to those locations and trying to hunt down 
where that car is. So that's always fun. But yeah, so far I'm having a blast with it. And yeah, can't, can't wait to play more of that one. So bar that, the only other game that I've played, and this is in the hunt for my first platinum, because I said to myself, that's what I'm going to do this year. I'm going to get my first platinum. So when I first got my PS4, it was packaged with Infamous Second Son. So that's what I've started playing again, mm-hmm. uh, because I did 100% it, but I wasn't the nicest of people on that playthrough. So I didn't get pretty much half of the... Um... This is my shocked faith, Nathan. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't get half <laughs> of the uh, trophies. So what I'm doing now, I'm going through and I'm being an absolute saint. Um, it won't last. Beginning... It won't last. So far, so good, Mark. At the very beginning, you get the option to turn yourself in or um, dob your family in. And I turned myself in and I got my first, I want to say achievement all the time. I got my first, first trophy nice for doing that. Trophy. Yeah, I got my first nice guy trophy and uh, long may it continue. So that's that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get through that and finally get the the platinum that I've wanted for so, so long. Are you, are you doing it on the hard difficulty? Next joke. Uh, <laughs> actually, it, it's on normal at the minute. So, but as soon as that oh, does push me, I'll be like, right, whack it back down to easy. Pushing over so. there, look, it's going on normal now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's um, I'm enjoying it so far. Um, a oh, bit okay. of me is a, a bit of me is annoyed that I've got to play it again, but it, it's fun now using all the powers and. Eventually, you'll get more powers to use, and that that's always good. So, yeah, it's looking forward to getting through that. I still think out of every game that I played on the PlayStation 4, Infamous Second Stun has like the best use of the control and touchpad. Yeah, it really is a showcase of that that touch one because at the very beginning you got to do like graffiti so you kind of shake the pad yeah and it kind of the shakes thing is, like, the can it's just the best use because like the, the it, you shake it and, and you get like the sound like the can as well and you get like the rumble mm. and it really feels like you've got like a spray can in your hand yeah i wish definitely. more games were, were so inventive with the use of the controller it was it was there yeah just oh. that's it just use it it's i mean it's like it's like the ps5 control with haptic feedback i mean i know some people don't like it but Astro's Playroom, yeah. If they could use it like that, it'd be absolutely astounding. Even like the changing when you're walking on glass to walking on ground, it just, oh, it's amazing. But yeah, anyway, yeah, people should use all the controller functions more. Yeah, that's my hot take. Uh, but but yeah, that's what I've been playing. So I will continue playing Infamous Second Son. I will not stop until I get my Platinum. It's going to happen. Believe it when we see it. Don't worry, Mark. You'll see it. Good. I hope we do. I, I just hope. I just hope I don't slip up and do something bad. Yeah, but I mean, we'll see. You know, slip of the finger, pressing the wrong button. You can have Oh no! Killed you by accident. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's that's what I've been playing. Okay, shall we move on to the video game hall of fame? We shall. So this is where we take an in-depth look at a game of high quality or historical importance and induct it into our Pathetic games we feel deserves special recognition. Our inductee this episode was released in 1987 on the Nintendo 64, developed by Rare and published by Nintendo. It's GoldenEye 007. Do-do-do-do. 
Yeah. Also needed that. Yeah. yeah. So uh, what was called? It was um, a first-person shooter where you basically run around various locations based off the film, uh, shooting bad guys. But it wasn't just a case of like running and shooting, is it? It's like you, you had to complete a series of objectives as you went around, didn't you? Mm, yes. Yeah. Should we go through the the story? So basically, it's uh, from the manual. Everybody loves a manual. Mm. It's got the golden eye story. It says, all right, 007, it's time to get down to business. Some time ago, Pirate, a top secret combat helicopter. I don't think it was called Pirate in the film. But anyway, it was hijacked from a French war vessel in Monte Carlo. Pirate was stolen by Xenia Onatop. She was assisted by several mysterious comrades. Xenia, a former Soviet pilot, is a known accomplice of Janus Syndicate, an international organization that is world-renowned for its dealings in top-flight illegal arms. They are currently based in St. Petersburg, Russia. Pirate reappeared two days ago in Russia near the site of an unusual disturbance, believed to be the result of the discharge of the GoldenEye weapon satellite. The situation is serious, 007. If Pirate or GoldenEye has fallen into the wrong hands, I don't have to tell you that the security of the free world could be in jeopardy. We want you to recover the Pirate helicopter and get to the bottom of this. You are licensed to kill. M. Sounds very serious. Mm. So, where should we start? We should talk about graphics. Looking back on it, a bit blocky. Eh, just a bit. Very black and white. Looking back now. Black and white? You think? Yeah. Yeah, a lot of black and white was used. Oh, you don't... Okay. You don't mean, like, as in the game was in black and white, but more... No, no, no. Yeah, the, the use of colour. Um, I, I feel like a lot more could have been used. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I, I suppose. I mean, you've got to love like the stretch faces on the, the characters. Because <laughs> they did actually use real likenesses of people, didn't they? Yeah, I actually thought they did pretty well with, uh, with 006. Sean Bean. Uh, Mr. Sean Bean. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 you can sort of tell he's, he's, there's a likeness there. So, of course, you had uh, Pierce Brosnan. Pierce Brosnan, uh, yeah. Who is the, the, the bloke that was playing as like, the Russian... Um, I suppose contact for for 007. He sort of appears halfway through the game. Bobby um, Coltrane. Mm. You played him. Yeah. Did it well. Thought it did it well. Now, what did we think to the uh, the controls of the game? It had a bit of a unique thing, didn't it? Where you had like mm. precision shooting. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I suppose you obviously the movement was done with the the, the single. Joy, joystick and as you walked around when the enemies popped up there is there's like a auto aim mechanic that appeared yeah um where the gun would just sort of automatically sort of go towards the enemy but then you could also hold i think it was the r button the the right shoulder button and you could have like almost kind of free aiming really you'd you know yeah carriage stood still obviously but it was it was inventful for the time should we say yeah. Uh, but looking back on it, you just see the moments where like you just gotta stand still and you just you just there just like making tweaky little movements. So like say you're trying to shoot a CCTV camera out. You just gotta stand there, you just go tweak, 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 tweak. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you you had to like fight with the resistance with the with the joystick because um, where you aimed you you had to like move the stick over to it because if you let go of the stick it just goes back to its natural default position, which could be a bit irritating. <laughs> yeah. By today's standards, at least. But no, I, th- I think I think the game was 
fairly faithful to to the events of what happened in the film. Yeah, most of it was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so like the your first level you start in is in the dam dam level, um, where you infiltrate the facility, make your way along the top of the dam to the to the point where you sort of bungee off the the top of it eventually. And I thought that that was a uh, an interesting sort of first level because you kind of you start off where you have to take out the guy in the top of the tower, you take a guy out at the bottom, you work your way up, and you can pick up a sniper rifle that you can use mm. sort of towards um, in the level, and then you make your way through through I think is the the tunnel at first, and then you make your way to the top of the dam, and then essentially depending on what difficulty you had, you, you essentially just make your way towards the dam to jump off. And I, I did like the use of the different difficulty levels as well, where depending on what level you had, you could have more objectives to do if needed. So I think there was like um, there was agent, agent, secret agent, and double, double agent. agent. Yeah. There might have been a fourth one. I can't remember. But you got different objectives depending on what level you play as well. So I think with the dam, if you're doing like secret agent. You had to infiltrate inside the dam to, mm. I think it was like blow up certain control panels or something like that, I think it was. And then from the dam, you move on to the facility where you infiltrate the facility. You're needing to meet with 006, I think, to blow up blow up the facility, basically, the, these different tankers. And then I think the third level was the runway, I think. I don't know if yes, yes, it was. Yeah, it was. Look at me with the, with the knowledge there. Somebody's played it an awful lot. <laughs> so, well, when you had an S64 as a child, Goldeneye was definitely one of the games. Um, so, the whole point of the runway is to make your way basically to the runway to escape on the plane. And now, of course, then different level, depending on what difficulty you had, you had different stuff as well. I? I will say, for most of the game, I think I just played on Agent. Because some of the stuff they had to do on Secret Agent and Double Agent was difficult. Mm. Like the, obviously, enemies were a bit more tanky. You lost a little more health if you got hit. Yeah, it was a little bit more it, accurate. It wasn't an easy <laughs> game, I don't think. No, it definitely... I think I do remember completing it on Secret Agent, but Double Agent was definitely like a, a test of... Because enemies could be very sneaky. They'd all be always like hiding around corners and things like that. Yeah, if you go through rooms, you'll find that like one of them's in like the back right room and you get yeah. shot by him. You're like, what was again? What was that? <laughs> sneaky. For some reason as well, I was always I was always impressed by the physics engine of it as well. Because like certain enemies could wear like like helmets or, or hats and whatnot. You could like shoot them off. And I was like, yeah. I was somehow always impressed by that. <laughs> I was like, that's quite a nice little feature. They've had. <laughs> no other first person shooter can somehow replicate. Useless, but a nice feature. But yeah, I think uh, just try and remember levels as well. So there was there was surface, um, which was like the first snow level where you just made your way to different satellites, and I think you had to attach like a tracker to them. And then you made your way into the bunker, which is where I think is the first time you are trying to get the golden eye disc. I think it was. Yeah. So it was there, you made your way to something that was called a silo, where you have to, to stop the massive missile from launching. And then uh, and then you suddenly make your way to something that was called the frigate, which I don't remember in the in the film at all. No, I don't either. 
I mean, they do have some levels that obviously weren't made for it. I think they were trying to obviously make levels in a way to try and link the film a little bit more. Yeah. In a way. So there's a frigate where you have to put a tracker on a helicopter and then escape by boat again. And that moved over to the surface again, which I didn't know why. Um, I think it was like you essentially try and make your way back to the bunker or something again. But at this point, 007 gets arrested. Yes. So there is the sort of second bunker level where you've not got your equipment and you have to convince the guard to come to to you for some reason. And then you karate chop him, as you do. As Bond does, yeah. As Bond does, and then he drops a key, and then you have to go and escape the bunker. Actually, this was quite an intense um, level, this, not having all your equipment and stuff. But this is where you meet Natalia, isn't it? Natalia's yes, because Natalia's in the in the cell next door. Cell next door. So you you get her out, and then she follows you around. Follow is a strong word. <laughs> she kind of just a loose word. Yeah, just kind of yeah. So you pick up you pick up weapons, obviously with soldiers, and then she just runs into the middle of the gunfire. Pretty much, like yeah. an absolute yeah, madwoman. She gets shot as always. Yeah. I mean, probably one of the worst AA companions. There's been it, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, in those days, it's it probably difficult to program an AI companion that would not be in the way of firefights. Yeah. So. But you escape, retire, and then... Just, just, just a point on that. It's, um, I, did, uh, oh. I did watch a playthrough of this again. And I, I, oh, yeah. like, I can't believe people that, that didn't even think about this before, but you can actually just let her out of the cell after you've killed everyone. So you could just go around... <laughs> clearing the level first and then that, yeah that, that probably would have been the better option wouldn't it yeah. um so yeah so you say you escape the bunker and you go into a level that's called statue which i believe from the film is sort of the the strange graveyard part mm. which I, I think in the film I just didn't, it, this seems to be like it's such a like turn for the film like i just didn't understand why we had this graveyard part other than you had to meet up with 006 at this point this is this is this is the point in the film where he ends up betraying you he tries to kill you with his with his thugs for lack of a better term his his goons and then hey this is the point where i think you get arrested as well i think you're like you're chasing after 006 and then you get sort of, I suppose, set upon. You get arrested and you go to, I think it's, is it Russia? I think. Yeah. Yeah. Where you go into, yeah. So you go into a level that's called Archives. Now, for me, this is probably the worst level in the game. Just in terms of, again, it's, it's a bit of a follow mission. So um, you, you go to find, so you skip the room that you're in. You're going through these this like library section sort of bit, um, and you're trying to find the tiger to escape. Now it seems very very often uh, in the room that you find a tiger in. There's also two other guards. Depending on how nice the OOM wanted to be at that point, you could easily OOM onto one guard kill them and then your aim is kind of because because once your aim's finished it kind of sets the default in the middle hmm. nine times out of ten in my my aiming would be 
it all aimed the guard that's on the chair and then suddenly switch right over to Natalia. And most of the times I end up sort of accidentally killing her, which is not fun. Very annoying. But no, you if you do the room right, you pick up Natalia, you go through the archives. There's this I just found this quite quite a bit of a maze of a, of a level as well, actually. Is you can you can find yourself getting a bit lost in what you're actually going. Yeah. But what you're actually meant to do is you get to a room where there's like a window that you shoot out that you just jump out and then you complete the room. And then we go into the the tank section of mm. of Golden Eye 007 called Streets, yeah. where you're essentially chasing the car around in a tank. Pretty cool level. It's a pretty good good level. Um, I think in the films it's, it's pretty pretty cool. I love the yeah, visuals, but still a little bit frustrating to play with the tank controls, but it's it's fine. It's, it's alright. Which then you move on to the next level, which is the depot where you're chasing. Oh, Xenia. Is it Xenia or something like that? Xenia on the top. Yeah, you're, you're, yeah. You're chasing once chaser on onto the train. I think you do. So you go through the depot, kill a bunch of guys, get on the train. Um, the train ah, section the train. is is quite unique in that you do have a time limit to get off the train, I believe. Um, or is it once you get to okay, the end? I think, it might yeah, be I think, once I think you get to the end. end sorry. Yeah. yeah. So you work your way through the train, go through the different departments, uh, departments, compartments, I should say. Um, of rooms that you're going through um you always find that you end up opening the the door to the toilet bog and there's a soldier there randomly for some reason so you make your way through you get to the end and then you've got like a, a short time limit of having to get out of that room before the train explodes i actually quite like this because i think it replicates the film quite quite nicely in that you have to yeah. use your um, laser watch to sort of tear the bolts off this um the, the floor, floor panel, panel. To yeah. get to the undercarriage, which I feel like, if you did that in real life and gone underneath, I feel like you would you die instantly from parts of the undercarriage of trains just mauling you or something. Um, I can't remember. Was the train still moving or they stopped? It might have stopped at this point actually. Yeah, I think I think I recall it might have stopped at this point because it would be a bit, it would be a bit dangerous, wouldn't it, if you actually yeah. if you were still moving. It's like I'll just. So I think you, I think you do. I think it does stop at one point. You get the. Um, bolts off the undercarriage panel mm. go underneath and then you escape and at this point you get to probably one of the more confusing levels probably when you get into the jungle where the whole point is you're trying to shoot the bad lady at this point yeah but there's a lot of foliage and i think it doesn't help that the soldiers i think they're dressed to kind of blend in a bit i think well that's the point though isn't it <laughs> well, that's the point. but i mean on the n64 it's well, yeah. They, they blend in pretty well, I'll give them that. <laughs> so you get to a point where you cross Long Bridge and then you end up fighting... I've already forgotten him because it's Xenia. Not... Xenia, is it? Xenia, yeah. X-E-N-I-A. I just want to print... Uh, I want to say it's like Xena, you know, like princess. Yeah. Xena Warrior Princess. Xena, yeah. Xena Princess Warrior. So you fight her there... And then you make your way into the control um, where you end up fighting um, who's Fingy's character. I, I know the actor. He's, I just can't. I've forgotten his name. Mm-hmm. In the control. Do you know the one who's got the pen? He's like in oh, the film, Boris. He's like Boris. Yeah. Boris. Yeah. This is where you end up fighting Boris. I think. Are you invincible? I am invincible. Yeah, that, that was a fun line. Then the whole thing just comes crashing down, which is funny. Boris Grushenko. That's his name. 
can you remember who the actor who was playing him? Because I feel like he's... Alan Cumming, I think is the That's it. Yeah. yeah, I think it is. So you go through the this, like, I suppose, kind of base, for lack of words. I do like how everything's quite chaotic in this as well, because you've got kind of... You've got all the computers going on. There's a lot of, like, glass panels going on as well that you shoot. Yeah. It's, it's probably one of the more chaotic levels where you'll start seeing frame rates dropping quite quite a bit. Uh, everything exploding and stuff. <laughs> so you go through there, uh, you get through to the un- underground caverns, which is the next level. You make you, you, you try and make your way to the elevator, which takes you up to the high up, or well, what they call it is the cradle, which is essentially the big satellite dish that's got all the... Yeah, big radio uh, telescope kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and this is where you're at the, the final battle with, uh, with Mr. Sean Bean, mm. where you're chasing him through... Um, this this complex of bridges and and, and whatnot. And essentially, your goal is keep on shooting him until you get him to the point where he falls down to the the I don't know I don't know what you'd call it like a a, a platform for like a better. You just fall down to the dish, the name of it. Yeah, I suppose where you, where you you essentially have to shoot him to get him to go down, and then <laughs> and probably one of the most I don't know why it's, it feels complicated, this this last bit, because you essentially you what you need to do is you need to make your way down a ladder, but you essentially kind of go down quite easy, and if you're still moving as you're going forward to go down this ladder, you can easily just walk off the platform, which is very annoying, or you get to the point where Sean Bean just like hits you once and you fall off anyway. It's, it's quite easy to not do this bit <laughs> but the whole point is if you do it correctly you get down and you shoot sean bean off the platform and you recreate sort of the ending of of goldeneye sean not exactly died. Uh, Who'd have thought it? yeah yeah it's uh it's pretty reference yeah i kind of wish it did sort of recreate the ending of it as well where like sean bean sort of holding off the end and like i wish you could do you know, i wish you recreate that last bit where it's like for england james no, no, for me. For me. <laughs> and then just knocks them off. But then that's it, yeah. That's uh, that's you completing the whole campaign. Obviously, there's a lot more to the game. You've got the the multiplayer sections. Yeah. Which I always found quite fun, actually. Uh, I would I would play them with my uh, my twin cousins whenever I go over to the house after school. We we just play it, and um, we'd always try and somehow crash the game like we we, we used to do um so in the in the bunker section there's the there's the part where you pick up the golden eye but we we'd love to throw all the golden like, eye. no where you pick up the golden eye panel in bunker. oh yeah yeah, yeah. uh that level there's a level yeah. in there so we we'd like to just throw detonation charges in this one spot as, as many as we could and then just set it off and just see how laggy the game would get <laughs> Uh, which is Just very laggy. Like it. it would drop to like one frame per second, which is pretty fun. But as like as as you sort of allude to, there is a game mode in multiplayer called the Golden Gun, mm. where somewhere in the level the Golden Gun spawns and it's a one-hit kill and it's very annoying. For well, my cousins, it can only it hold one stressed. shot though, can't it? it can only hold one. It shot can only hold one bullet. Yeah, it held one bullet. So once you shot, that was kind of it, unless you picked up like an ammo box, which is then replenish it with one more bullet, which could be annoying. But I, I thought the multiplayer side of it was quite fun. I actually really liked playing it. Uh, a lot of fun. Um, but we've got to talk about Odd Job. 
<laughs> the controversy yeah, so, of our job. So yeah, so in in all play, you do you get you get a, sec- uh, a selection of like um, golden eye characters and also random civilian scientists and whatnot. Or you also had some characters from the history of James Bond, I should say. So there was one. Obviously, there's odd job, which um, well the current well, cheating, shall we say? <laughs> so first of all, it's not it's nothing like what odd job really was like. Because no. Job was a normal sized person, like the average height. <laughs> yeah. And for some reason, they made him a dwarf in this game. Now I think they confused him. <laughs> I think they confused him with uh, with Knickknack, who was a character who was um, oh, who was yeah. Scaramanga's in, in sidekick Golden. in yeah, yeah in the Man with the Golden Gun. So I think originally it supposed to should have been him, but for some reason they just made a dwarf odd job. He was so difficult to like shoot as well. Yeah, just, like, because your yeah, aim would go over his head. Yeah, if you're close enough, like the OM could not pick him up. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Quite stupid. It's not as well because they didn't have like they didn't have the hat as a weapon. Which yeah, I thought it would have been pretty cool. Like you could just throw it. Yeah. The one, cool. the one part of you know his character that everyone knows of. It's just <laughs> missing this one. Yeah. What's interesting about the multiplayer though, because uh, according to um, I've got a bit of trivia here. So according to Grant Kirkhope, who was like one of the co-composers for the game is that the multiplayer feature was only added to the game as an afterthought and it only took six weeks to develop and yet most people th- think it's one of the best parts of the game um, i mean they did really well yeah i think man mode as well so yeah i mean there was other stuff in the game as well so there was um there was some stuff that you can lock through cheat codes uh, mm. i believe where you could have um you could have different modes to it so you could have like um Infinite ammo was one of them. There was one that was called DK mode, where yeah. everyone had big heads. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's pretty good. To, it was pretty easy to get like headshots, which was quite nice. I'm already yeah, forgetting some of the some of the other stuff. You yeah, because you could actually unlock them by beating levels on certain difficulties in certain time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that was it. Wasn't it? Um, okay. So there was always like a was just there was a time limit to not a time limit, but there was a, a time to beat for different difficulties that yeah. helped unlock stuff throughout the game. So for example, on the first level dam, to unlock paintball mode. On, oh, paintball. on secret agent difficulty you had to beat it in under two minutes forty. Really? It's just things like that. But the cheese yeah, you could get So you've got paintball mode, you got invincibility, DK as you said. Uh two times grenade launcher, I'm not quite sure what that means. A rocket launcher, turbo mode. What was turbo mode? I don't remember turbo mode. Uh, I think that's where you just you, you well, ran quick. Really fast. Much, oh, yeah. Fair enough. Uh, no radar for multiplayer. Interesting. Tiny bond. Uh, uh, two I t- remember, yeah. Two times throwing knives. Fast animation. Invisibility. Enemy rockets. I don't know what that means. Uh, slow Enemy animation. Rockets. Silver PP7. I mean, I think the PP7 is Oh, yeah, I remember that, yeah. I think it made yeah. it a bit, a bit more... Damaging. Yeah. Uh, two time hunting knives, infant ammo, uh, two times RCP 90s, don't know what they are, uh, a gold PP7, two time lasers, and finally it's all guns. Just all the guns. Mm. <laughs> There's actually a surprising amount of weapons in the game. There's a lot, yeah. There's a lot to it. Just looking at me. So we've got a throwing knife, a fighting knife, PP7 special issue, so that's his. Gun that he normally yeah, has. Uh, DD44 Dostavai, the Cougar Magnum, 
the Spider, the ZMG 9mm, D5K Deutsch, the Phantom, the KF7 Soviet. I don't even know where any of these are. Uh, so obviously, yeah, grenade launcher, rocket launcher, sniper rifle, grenades, remote mines, timed mines, proximity mines. I don't, I don't remember many of these. Oh, I do. Uh, you had your Gadius as well, didn't you? So we've all, we've only mm-hmm. already talked about the the watch, watch. laser. Yeah, the watch laser. But it's also it had a magnet on it as well. Yeah, yeah, I remember. I think it was that. Did you did you manage to get the keys from that guard in itself with the magnet? Thing. It might have been, yeah. I think that's how you got the keys from them. I think there's like different uh, ways you could get the keys from this. So you got the bungee equipment, obviously, because you jump off the dam. Uh, door decoder, uh, bomb diffuser, key analyzer, uh, a tracker, covert modem, mm. a micro can- camera, a data thief, and a plastic, so plastic explosive. Uh, okay. oh, you oh. could also do wield some weapons, couldn't you? Yeah, so you could do you could do the clubs, which was the 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 more sort of ah, the club, yeah. famous, not famous, but probably more iconic um, dual wielding guns that you could have in the game. Yeah, because they were just they were lethal. <laughs> I always thought they weren't real guns as well, though. But apparently they were, because they looked so weird. I, don't, I think there was some like legalities about names of being some of the weapons, but I don't. I, I don't know. Yeah, I think I think at one point they I think they did have the real ones in, but probably due to legalness that they found it, they were like, oh, well, now we're going to change the names. Just looking here as well with the, the mode play mode. So there was, there was different modes to it as well. So um, I think obviously you had like a, a classic sort of deathmatch one, the one that we spoke about, the man with the golden gun. So one player has to find the gun in the game and then kill uh, the other players without being killed to keep the gun. There was, uh, you only live twice. Mm. So as the name would suggest, all players only had two lives. Last person alive won. Uh, you had the Living Daylights, uh, which was sort of like a like a flag type game. So there was a a flag in the map, and you got to pick it up. And I think you, uh, whoever had the flag the longest amount of accumulated time yeah, yeah. won. I think. And then there was also License to Kill, where one shot that was it. So mm. you only had. Uh, Maybe one shot there, and then there were like some different scenarios where you were, you could do team stuff. So you could have like two teams, two. You could have a team of three against one. You could also have a three a team of two against one as well. And it's just it's it's actually the, the amount of content they add in this game as well, because there was also um, there was two secret levels as well. Yes. Where you had to you had to lock them by basically being the campaign on the secret agent and the double agent as well but also doing them in in the time limits for the objective and stuff as well so if you did it all in secret secret agent you unlocked a level that was called aztec uh which was based on a uh, a part of the film moonraker i believe it was because this is where you could you could fight the, the iconic villain jaws in it who looked interesting in this film uh, he was like the tallest character as well. He's pretty tall. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah. Um, but you could get like the Moonrake laser, uh, laser in this level as well, which was absolutely mm. fun to use. I loved using that that gun. It was fun. But yeah, he just went through like this sort of kind of Egyptian style level, um, final enemies and whatnot, and trying to stop them from. I think you were trying to stop them from going to the the, 
the space station that was in the film, I think. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Something like that. But then also, a uh, level that I've never played, because I could never complete this, <laughs> so again, unlocking the level Egyptian uh, is completing all level, all levels previously on Double O Agent. Although apparently this is this was not based on any of a particular film, I don't think. No, not really. No. Um, the enemy you fight it against is definitely nothing to do with Egyptian. No, yeah. So, so apparently, so, so just reading off an article. Apparently, its general appearance was modelled after Egyptian scenes from the Spy Who Loved Me. But it's, it's basically just taken from quite a few, a few different elements from Bond films. But like the main bad guy that you find fighting it is Baron Samedi, is it? Samedi? Small one, yeah. Something like that. But this is this is the one where you you get like the gold gun in it. Yeah, yeah. Baron. Yeah. Um, sorry. I I never played this level at all. I can tell you why. Basically, basically, this level is like an amalgamation <laughs> of different bits from different films. Yeah. No, it's, uh, there's a lot of content in this game for, for what it was. I don't think it ever... I mean, it was it was meant to be a tie-in in the film, but it never came out at the same time as the film. Oh, yeah. it? I think it, it came after out, the film. It came shortly before the follow-up Tomorrow Never Dies came out. So, yeah, so i just so reading some, some trivia about the game. So, originally, so you got four save slots that's in the, in the game. So, four different save slots. So, apparently, originally... Those four slave save slots, if we can say it right, were going to be represented by the different sort of Bond actors that were in yeah, the film. Up to that point, yeah. So obviously one of them was going to be Pierce Bosnum, um, another one was going to be um, Sean Roger Connery, Moore. Roger, Moore, uh, Roger Moore, and then obviously we had Timothy, Timothy. Dalton as well. Yeah. No um, love, for, no love for George. No Lazenby. love for George Lazenby. No. <laughs> uh, I mean, he only did one film, but I think... it is it is like the odd. Bond out, isn't it? <laughs> I think that's a good film, actually. But yeah, yeah, it's a good film. Uh, so they were planned. To, they were planned to do this. Unfortunately, Rare did not actually have the permission to use their licenses other than Brosnan. So apparently, it was scrapped. I and think they might have tried to figure that out. Before you'd have thought about that, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> apparently, they were also planned to be different Bonds in the multiplayer as well. We we're going to have the four different Bonds, but again, couldn't do it. Just reading it as well, apparently uh, during development, there was an idea where if the player had to reload, he or she this had, like. had to pull out the rumble pack and reinsert it, just like pulling a magazine into a real gun. But that idea was scrapped later in development with Crest Nintendo. I think that would have been pretty cool. It would have, but like, after, after a few out. times, I can imagine it being quite tedious. Well, yeah, for the amount of times you actually do reload in that game, I just... Yeah. I would not be complaining the game. It's at like all. you got the golden gun. <laughs> you got one bullet. Uh, reload. Oh. After every shot. <laughs> oh, that would be interesting. So apparently the game is the third best-selling game on Nintendo 64, selling over mm. 8 million copies, which is pretty cool. I imagine the other two is probably Super Mario 64 and Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time. Just go on more trivia on GoldenEye. Uh, the face of the soldier and enemies in the game, excluding the movie-based characters such as uh, Travel and Xenia and others are actually faces of the game developers, which I think is quite fun. Yeah. Well, just one thing again, when you completed the game, you know, you got the, um, after the credits, you had this, like, cutscene bit, didn't you, where it showed, like, the characters. Oh, and, like, yeah. It had, like, this cinematic, didn't it, where it said, James Bond, and then it showed, like, a 3D model of him. Mm. And it just says, civilian. Civ- <laughs> civilian 2. And yet, yeah. they gave weapons to all these civilians. It's just like, what? 
Why have you given these character bulls <laughs> these like AK forty sevens? It's yeah. very odd. Just continuing on. So originally GoldenEye 007 was going to be the style of a rail shooter, similar to yeah. Virtual Cop. I'm how glad you, it's not. <laughs> yeah, how do you think that would have gone then? Um I mean it'd have been great for the arcades. Yeah, it probably would have been good the, the, yeah. Maybe they should have thought about it. <laughs> well, I think it probably would have like gone into obscurity because there were a lot of games around then that were pretty similar. Mm, True. The but multiplayer I mean, wouldn't have worked in the same way, so it might not be the icon it is today with if it had well, gone down I, that route. I don't think well, I don't think it would have been a multiplayer. I think it would have been similar to something like, you know, Time Crisis where it'd be single player. I think it would have probably done big over here, you know. The British market would definitely I think would invest in it because I mean it's James Bond. Everyone loves James Bond for it. Um so the arcades would definitely have been full on it. So apparently that was that was also evident uh, from the E3 videos of Goldeneye between 96 and 97. I'm not going to talk about the last bit because that's just basically saying that it's the most, still one of the most popular shooters. But, I mean, it did spawn uh, a a spiritual successor of sorts um, with Perfect Dark, which I think, to use the the pun, perfected the first person, <laughs> yeah, first person genre and in, in for the Nintendo at least. But yeah, it's. Um, Certainly, for at least for his time, definitely one of the more revolutionary first-person shooters, I think. Certainly. Well, I've got a bit more trivia. So, mm-hmm. so apparently, um, this started off what was called uh, the Golden Eye Fall, which was the death animation. So basically, in every James Bond game since this, mm. they've included this. So basically, it's like a, the, whenever you die, your character will fall to their knees and then onto the chest. And that's become like just become a, the, the the running joke for death animation. Why not? <laughs> uh, this is interesting. In 2012, fans discovered a hidden emulator for the ZX Spectrum uh, inside the game's code, with 10 games included. Oh. So the emulator was That's a side strange. project by Rare to test if the N64 was able to do software emulation. But instead of removing the code for it entirely, they merely deactivated it. And the fan-made patch has activated it again. Oh, cool. And what about this then? Did you know the game was banned in Germany? I feel why? like I do, but I can't remember why. So the game was never officially released in Germany due to the country's strict youth protection laws and opposed to most shooter games at the time. Uh, but due to its immense popularity everywhere else, the game was imported by wholesalers. Any guesses when the ban was lifted? Because it's now been lifted. 2003? Nope. 2016? Nope. It was lifted in October 2021. Wow. What? Not even yeah. a year ago. <laughs> no. What? That's crazy. That's madness. At least they can experience it now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can finally play it without being arrested. Not the crappy Wii version that they tried to bring out. And the game won the BAFTA Interactive Entertainment Award in 1998. What for? I know. That's what it is. The BAFTA oh. Interactive Entertainment Award. That's what oh, it is. Okay. <laughs> For what? <laughs> yeah, what? For what? I shall finish off with just a couple of. Uh, I've got a couple of the cheats that weren't yeah. part of the uh, the ones we spoke about. So we've got a tank shell glitch. So this glitch will only work in the tank levels, so um, the streets, or yeah, I think you could get one in the room, but the runway level as well, couldn't you? So you you need to switch the infinite ammo code on, go to the tank, climb on top of it switch your weapon to the one immediately before the tank shells 
then while switching to tank shells, jump off the tank. If you did it right, you can now fire tank shells from your head. <laughs> why you'd want to do that, but I don't know. Oh, why not? And then this one is um, this code requires you to have the invincibility cheat on. Go to the silo level with invincible bond on. Select the plastic explosive from your watch and throw it on the wall. Now shoot the explosive with your gun, and wherever you run, the explosions will follow you and kill everything in your path. That's nice. pretty cool, Jade. Or is it a glitch? You make up your own mind. So there we have it. That's uh, GoldenEye007 into the Video Game Hall of Fame. If you enjoyed listening to us, please consider tuning in next time. We release Spy with Video on Tuesdays. You can visit our website at jokingdolphin.com where we post the Hall of Fame. Also feel free to follow us on all social media platforms to continue the conversation. You can find Joking Dolphin on YouTube and Facebook as well as on Instagram and Twitter at Joking Dolphin. Until next time, thanks for listening. Goodbye. Shaken, not stirred. Taters, taters.